I am certain to the secret fire, wielder of the flame, Mabano. Dark fire will not avail you, flame of Ungun! And welcome to Film Actually episode 100 for the 1st of January 2013. And as well as being back, it is also us going away. So, <laughs> see you. <ya. laughs> see you later. Bye. That's the end of the show. No. So, uh, yes, this is the last episode of Film Actually in this incarnation. It is not the last episode that we will ever do. Uh, and we will talk more about that at the end of the show. I am David McVeigh and I am joined in studio again. I like this. I like the being in studio part uh, by Josh Philpot. How are you, Josh? I'm hungover. <laughs> well, we did say it was January 1st. Right? <laughs> <clears throat> no, no, I just I want to make that apparent to everybody listening to the show. If I seem flat, I don't want to hear any. Josh seems a little flat. Yeah, no, I was flat because I'm fucking hungover. He's hungover. And next to him, not so hungover. Although you were drinking gins last night, I, I believe. I was a bit of gin. Yeah. Which is Richard Gray. How are you, Richard? Hungry. Hungry? Yeah, really yeah. hungry. Yeah, actually, yeah. me too. I could go some food. We'll have to do food after this. I think we are. I think yeah. the uh, the idea here is for all you people out there listening in in, in podcast land <laughs> that we're having a barbecue. <laughs> in internet land. <laughs> internet land. We're having a barbecue when we finish here. So I know you can't you come. No, no, Aren't you pl- glad you're privy to this? I'm just kidding. You can all come. <laughs> we're just chatting about what we're going to do after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so this is film, actually, the official movie podcast of geekactually.com. And this week we are going to be reviewing The Hobbit, an Expected journey. We're going to be uh, looking at our list of five this week. It's kind of odd. So we're not doing a top five. We've decided not to do a top five. We're going to do a list of five films that were the most enjoyable films. Of the year for us. Spoilers, um, all of minor pornos. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, actually, should have got. I should have hit the porn parodies yeah, for this. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a trip into Josh's bargain basement, I believe. Yes. Um, and uh, just some general chit chat because this is the last show of this particular incarnation. Boys, how have you been? Yeah. Yeah. You know what, man? Like, I, I just want to put it out there and say last year sucked. Like, just generally. Like, I had some good times and did some great things. But yeah, I know, right? It's like uh, last year, I think everyone in the world was incredibly drained by the end of it. It's just like I've never seen uh, Sydney, at least, in such a state of just like, fuck it. Let's well, just get this done. We were all expecting it to end. Yeah. I mean, I think that that was the thing. We all expected the Mayan calendar to come to an end. I was fine. I'd bought an 18-month Mayan calendar. Nice. So, <laughs> right, right, I'm right. clear through till June. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling everybody, it was like the, the one thing that I just couldn't understand from people as I just try and explain to people, I'm like, guys, it's like, you know, they wrote this thing a long time ago and at some stage, no matter who you are, you have to stand there while chiseling this shit into a wall and going... 
You know, 2012 is probably enough. We can do the rest later. We'll come we've, back to it. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got years <laughs> to do it. Oh, wow. I think somebody summed it up best for me when they said, how can we honestly think that the Mayans are going to predict the end of the world when they couldn't even predict the end, the end of their own civilization? No, that's oh. harsh, but fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like... Mine was bad. <laughs> so, uh, yes. No, look, I think, I think you're right there. I think this year was a tough year. Yeah. Um, I think that we had some real highlights in the year, and I think we had some real disappointments in the year. Mm. Um, and I think that by the end of it, uh, as we discussed going back when we did episode 99 of the show, we were all really tired well, I think that was the general feeling. Like, I've had uh, a bunch of days off. I have taken my phone and literally tossed it across the room and just turned it off mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. haven't been interested. I haven't been on Facebook. I haven't been on Twitter. I just literally ex- exited for a while away from the world, and that's really all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's like once you come out the other end of that, especially January, it's like coming in now, it's like everything feels a lot better. Everything yep. feels... A lot more focused and I'm ready. We've had some time off and we've had some meetings where we sat down and discussed what we're going to do for this new year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, we've got some new shows planned and some new websites to go to and all sorts of wonder- other wonderful stuff. We'll talk more about that at the tail end of the show. But uh, yeah, we are not we are back now. So ba- basically, mm. this will be the last episode of this show. In two weeks' time, the first of the new film shows will start mm-hmm. and uh, we're off and running after that and we'll see how we go. we got a few new ideas mm. how we're going to tackle it this at year. least two at least two mm. <laughs> <laughs> that'll clear us through till june <laughs> so we have been away from microphones well we've had occasional specials here and there but the we have been away from microphones officially for the last couple of months has there any been any movies that have or tv shows or anything in the media that has basically jumped out of you for our, what we've been watching i don't want to um, I don't think we can do a blow by blow. We'll be here all day. But all right, I, here we go back to uh, oh, no well, no, no. <laughs> ease off first by the sounds of it. <laughs> oh no, no, sorry. Seriously, what that's just not happening. Go on. Why don't you just cut me off and then just not follow up? Well, fuck you. Seriously, it's all good, man. Boy, that's like old times in here. <laughs> uh, I probably mentioned this over... I was just doing a visual gag for Josh, pulling out my list of a few hundred films I've watched this year. And that's really all it is. But I'm not going to talk about those because I've probably spoken about them elsewhere. Really on Behind the Panels, we've spoken about this last... TV's been awesome the last six yes. months or so. Yep. We've had uh, Walking Dead and Arrow have been great for geeks like us. Oh, fuck yes. I've been catching up the last... I just polished off just before the end of 2012, managed to watch the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation again in, in, in high def. In Blu-ray. So yep. I've nice. been uh, been enjoying the, the, the fuck out of that, yeah. let's just say. <laughs> um, not, not consistent. Also, I just want to put it on record because I've never said this, um, at least in, in, in a recorded fashion, that Deanna Troy is the most useless character in the first season. <laughs> uh, I would um, actually go so far as say first three seasons first season. I love the way that she actually just blurts out uh, in front of people Captain I think they're uh, holding something back from us it's like, you, it's like the equipment. You feel like the person on the other side going, I'm actually Yeah, like, we right can here. still hear you. It's audiovisual. <laughs> you know? um, it's, it's like walking up to somebody uh, and having a conversation going, hey, this guy's a jerk, right? <laughs> anyway, I'll see, I'll see you later. I'll go and they say, so, counsellor, do you detect anything? She goes, pain. <laughs> Great pain. <laughs> yeah, anything useful? <laughs> yeah, anything that we didn't already know? So you're telling me that, that, that giant creature down there that we've been hitting with lasers for the last 10 is hours is pain. in pain? Mm. Yeah. A- More? Anything, anything else? And then when it finally gets free, she goes, now I feel great joy. joy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Unspeakable joy. 
<laughs> she was described by some uh, popular media uh, when Star Trek Next Generation Season 1 first aired on TV <laughs> as the cosmic cheerleader. She's uh, the cosmic cheerleader. Oh, that's me. With her go-go boots and accurate. her little... Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no, I agree with you. I think she was particularly useless. But to Marina Sirtis's... Sirtis? Sirtis? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But to her credit, she took a nothing character and actually turned it into something... Uh, she became one of the fan favorites mm, by mm. the end of the by the end of the series, and she's uh, she's went strong from there. And she was always very pretty. I smell out. a Star Trek special in the future. I think <laughs> so. I think I th- there's a, there's a few specials I feel, but I think Star Trek is coming. Two movies I'll just quickly thrown out because I have been watching films also out on Boxing Day, same as The Hobbit we're doing this week. Uh, Wreck It Ralph, which is one of the great most, film, Love one it. of the most fun Disney films in years, particularly for if you, if like us, you've played games over the course of the last decades. Stacks of uh, references in there for you. Just a, just a flat out fun just, film as you well. You'll never feel as as happy and as and as, <laughs> as joyful as you will after seeing a film like that. I know it's fantastic. And stay tuned for the next, the first episode of the new show, which we'll talk about more at the end. Where I'll uh, we'll be playing a bit of an interview I did with Sarah Silverman, John C. Riley, and director Rich nice. Moore. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, that's and something to look forward to. Also, just Les Mis, uh, Les, Les Um I know a lot of people are going to stay away from this because it's a musical and because it's a big thing, uh, you know, big uh, big budget musical. They mm-hmm. think they know it, all that sort of stuff. This is uh, the guy who directed King's Speech, which uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but one of the better films Love last year. King's Speech, yep. uh, and and. Yep. Fairly universally critical yep. acclaimed. Yep. This will turn you around on musicals because it's just such. I mean, it's just shot like a big revolution well, and epic, and it just happens I, to have songs in it. The other thing also, I thought was really know. interesting was I was uh, <laughs> listening to a little bit. There was actually an interview with uh, Tom Hooper about it, where he was talking about the fact that it's shot very differently than most musicals are shot. Most musicals, they will go into a studio, they will record all of the audio Mm. down six months before they shoot the film, Mm -hmm. and then they lip sync when they're on set. Tom Hooper didn't like this idea and felt that he really... Because over six months' time, people's performances change, they have different interpretations of stuff, and he actually wanted to make... He wanted them to act the songs mm. so all of the songs are actually recorded live on set mm. so they actually and then they and the part that really blew my mind was they added the orchestration later wow. um, so yeah. to, to match the song so now the downside of this is I've actually I haven't seen Les Mis yet and I really actually really want to but the downside to this is apparently the soundtrack album to the movie mm. is terrible Right. Um, because of the nature of yeah, how yeah, it was yeah. recorded, it doesn't make a very good album because it's yeah. not very polished. Um, and they're saying it, within the context of what you're seeing on screen and in the cinema, it's magnificent. And then when you actually listen to the soundtrack mm-hmm. album, it falls flat on its but face. I think uh, yeah, Anne Hathaway is just going to get hands down. Uh, she's getting actress. applauded. I mean, she's yeah. getting as much applaud as Russell is getting hate at the moment because apparently yeah, Russell's pretty flat. Rusty's not great. Uh, I don't. I, w- I don't want to say he, he ruins the film or anything because he doesn't. It's he, still mm. given that he's up. You know, he's got apparently his uh, spoilers for those who haven't seen Lemmy's. I mean, this is a twenty-year-old musical. Musical, now, but yeah. Apparently, his suicide song, yeah, um, is awful. It's almost it's, laughable. It's not great, but I mean, look, he 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 holds his own relatively compared to. I mean, the fact that he's in there with Hugh Jackman, who is an old song and dance man. Mm. Um, the real revelation, and the, the, one of the other female characters in there, I've forgotten her name, but she's actually from the original, uh, or one of the original, but she did uh, was in the London cast. Right, right. Um, and in the 25th anniversary cast and all that sort of stuff. Um, Eddie Redmayne is like the real revelation of this film. I wouldn't have thought it. He was in My Week with Marilyn most recently. Right, 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 yep. And he was in a TV production of... Um, 
uh, Tess of the Durbervilles, which was excellent in that. Mm. He is just phenomenal. Like, he carries the second half of the film. He's got this amazing range of voice, great actor to boot, and I think he's not given enough acclaim in all the reviews I've read so far. Mm. He's not being given the props that he deserves because I didn't expect it from him. And he just sort of just knocks it out of the park. So, so here's the question. Everybody is predicting it. Anne Hathaway takes Best Supporting Actress? I reckon she will. I mean, it's not going to take out the Top Gongs because everyone's given that to Zero well, Duck. Well, she's also, I mean, she's yeah. not in the She's not the, the lead. No, look, everyone's giving everything else to Zero Dark Thirty at the moment. Yeah. So I, I would say that she is yeah, dead I, And Apparently, that, what's her name in Zero Duck Thirty is supposed to be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I haven't well, seen it yet. No, so. neither have I. I really want to. Um, all right. So, Josh, what have you, what, what stood out for you? Um, well, not so much a matter of... Oh, well, look, there's a couple of films. Uh, one I was talking to uh, you guys about earlier today, which was Sinister, is mm. a film mm. that I managed to uh, get hold of a copy of and sit down and watch. Uh, and I was I was quite surprised at that film. Like, I, hadn't, I had heard a lot of buzz, but no real kind of explanation as to what I was going to watch. Um, one of the best kind of tension horrors I've seen in a long time. Like, not overly well written like when I say that it's very well written but it's not like it's not going to uh, twists and turns are, are going to surprise you it's more one of those films that's kind of a laboured kind of a, a progressive uh, tension builder and that's what I thought was really stunning about it it's like it's a great concept for a film writer that essentially writes these like books where he sort of analyzes these unknown unsolved murder mysteries and tries to basically find police fault um essentially so he's not very well liked and that seems to go through the family as well and ethan hawke plays an amazing role as this you know um kind of almost self-absorbed like writer that knows that he's got these he's he's a standard writer he's only got one or two shots in his life to keep the money coming in and he can kind of get the feeling that they're at that point again and so he's put a lot more into getting this story and um, being that it's supernatural in, in background, it's like the tension just continues to rise because the more he finds out, um, you find out very early on to the rest of the families. <laughs> um, un- they're unaware of it, but um, they're actually living in the house where these people were murdered. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't told them that, and it's that sort of great thing. On one side, you've got this great supernatural thriller. On the other side, you've got this tension building from the family as he decides to kind of avoid talking out that he's basically plopped them in this fucking place where in unexplained circumstances four people hung from trees this is the opening scene of the film right, this right. stunning four people just hanging from a tree of no no recollection no understanding of why it's there it's just there in front of you and it's just an old home movie of four people hanging in a tree and then the all being cut down and falling onto the ground with nothing around you so you have no idea how they got cut down and that's sort of the thing it's like you're constantly like him trying to figure out what happened and the more he watches, the more that starts to happen on the supernatural side, and this continues to build right up to an amazing conclusion mm-hmm. at the end of the film. And it's like it was really nice to see a horror that kind of—it's been a lackluster year for horror. Mm. Like we've seen some, like we've seen a few good uh, notable unique, exceptions. Yeah, yeah we've seen yeah. some unique <laughs> exceptions, like things that went to different places, like very different films. Maybe some homage-style horror films, if you guys are getting my drift. But <laughs> as straight horror it's been fucking awful like we've had a couple of decent ones we've had a couple of interesting ones but that's been about it it's been a bit of a drought for horror um be Mm. interesting to see if we've got anything coming up on the on the horizon Mm, mm, um mm. but uh, at the moment i mean last year but not 
2012, but 2011, we had uh, Final Destination 5, which was a real surprise. Mm. Yeah. And, and we were all mm. like, wow, that's actually not too bad, you know? And it's like, and then this year was like, I think with the exception of... of one we'll probably mention one later. One that will probably be mentioned yeah. later. Yeah. But I mean... Sounds well, like it's going to be on all of our lists. Yes. I think so. But I mean, the film <laughs> we're, we're alluding to, of course, is, is Cabin in the Woods. Um, oh. Where... Oh, um, it's just kidding. Spoilers. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> film... That, <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that film came out and was a complete surprise um, for what yeah. it was. But I don't think you can actually even call it a straight horror film. That's the other no. problem. Uh, it's, it's a Joss Whedon attempted horror, so it's, it's going to go in its own way. Mm. Um, I'm with Richard. Uh, for me, over the last couple of months, the excitement has been television. Mm. Um, with the, I mean, I did get a chance to see, and, and we were actually embargoed until January, and considering this is January 1st, and by the time the show comes out, it's going to be about January 3rd. Um, I saw Django Unchained. I saw uh, Tarantino's new film, which I liked, and we will review it uh, on the next show, uh, officially. Uh, I liked the film. I just felt that every now and again, Tarantino kind of overstepped his mark. And like like what I've heard about Russell Crowe mm. in Les Mis, there's actually a cameo, very short cameo, uh, uh, in the second half of Django Unchained, which almost sinks the film. Oh. Answer me this though. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the film, and I'm seeing it in about two weeks. Uh, Spike Lee's recently come out and uh, leveled accusations of racism against Tarantino, uh, uh, and Anton and Anton Fuqua has been defending him. Neither person has seen the film. Yeah, look, um, but, I actually think to uh, say to say the film. The reason I, I've heard these arguments, and the reason why they're saying of the racism and so forth, is because oh my god, it's about slaves, and they say the n word a lot. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Um, it's a Western set mm. in the age of slavery. Mm. So the N-word was dropped a lot and yeah. and they were slaves. So to call the film racist is kind of almost insane. Because he, uh, Spike Lee, leveled a similar accusation against uh, Jackie Brown, I think, saying, right. this, uh, you know, by paying tribute to that exploitation type film, he was making an exploitation film. And I think that's a, that's a fine well, line. Well, that's that, almost a valid argument with that one. But... yeah. He is making an homage to, to, yeah. to black And that's the fine line I always find with Tarantino. He gets away with it because he says, oh, no, I'm just making this type of film. That's what they do. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, it's, it's borderline. I'm not saying with a racism thing, but it's almost like saying, it's, it's okay. I've got a, I've, I've got a, a gay friend. I can say yep. whatever. Yeah, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah, I've got yeah, a black yeah. friend. My uncle's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. my uncle's Jewish. You know, all those kind of I things. Can, I agree uh, with that argument. Unless it is period specific, yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like leveling argument against Mad Men for mm. all the smoking when you sit there and go, but that was the period, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's like saying that you know you can't get away with with you know a woman in the kitchen if you're making a film set in the fifties. Mm. You know, it's it's the time and place. Mm. You know, it's like calling the help a sexist film. Yeah. You know, it's or like, even a racist film for that matter. Or a racist film. It was what it was. Mm. You know? It's actually funny. I think it was Tarantino who said he'll never he was never a huge fan of John Ford because he found out that he played one of the Klansmen in DW Griffith's um, Birth of a Nation. Oh, I think it was so you know that's just an interesting other thing mm. And I will say about uh, and I will say about uh, um, Django Unchained, the thing I did like about it, which is actually to his credit, is that when you watch the trailer for Django Unchained, 
what you think the film is about mm. is not necessarily what the film is about because right. a lot of the stuff that you're seeing in the trailer happens in the first 20 minutes. So it's not another revenge film, which seems to be the only thing that he's going Well, it with. is another revenge <laughs> film, yes. But what I'm saying is it's the, the plot line. So if you're sitting there going, oh, the trailer gave away too much, well, the trailer doesn't really mm. give anything away because it's all in the first 20 minutes. Right. Mm. Anyway, so, looking forward to seeing it. So it's well worth it. We'll have a look at that uh, in the new year and we'll actually review it in general. Overall, I enjoyed the film. Mm. Um I don't think, I mean, I think if you look at Tarantino's Pantheon, I think you can go from something like, I don't know, go from Death Proof up to Pulp Fiction. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, oh, don't forget I think, Four Rooms. <laughs> I did forget <laughs> Four Rooms. But I think, I think, I think uh, Death Proof is particularly weak. Yes. Um, and Actually, his segment in Four Rooms is quite good. Well, there you go. Um, he also directed the, did he direct the bellhop scenes in, the, in between? Or was that Rodriguez? I th- oh, I don't know actually who did the. Uh, I can't the remember who did the filler scenes. I think that might have been Tarantino. And as well. he also did uh, a sequence in Sin City. Yes, he did. He was the guest director. He was, he was guest director. It was the scene in the car. Car, yeah, because yeah. he wanted to try shooting on digital. Oh, there you yeah, go. So. Yeah. So well, and apparently Tarantino has actually said that he is quitting filmmaking, quote unquote. This sounds very, um, sounds very Kevin Smith. But yeah, yeah, apparently yeah. one of the reasons <laughs> his reasoning is he only wants to work on film. And, because and it's he, getting harder to do that. That's right. So he yeah. says, basically, if he can't make his movies on film, he doesn't want to make movies. I mean, he's had a good run. I mean, the thing is, if he apparently he's going to go out on ten films, and he's got which means he's only or whatever it is, he's only got like one left, one or two left, left or something. Yeah. And there's there's there is there is talk that he's already been talking about his next film will be a sequel or spin off to both. Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Oh, that's intriguing. So, oh, wow. I say I'm um, intrigued now to see what happens with Tarantino because all of his scripts that he was. The ho- yeah, everything he was that the, we know about. He was the Hollywood darling for all of these yeah, scripts yeah. and all this unproduced stuff. And blah. Everything that he came into Hollywood with has now been made. Yes, Django yeah. Unchained marks the last of the Tarantino that we know scripts about. Yeah, that we yeah. know about. So now it's a completely unknown entity as to what Tarantino he's, will he's do next. He's been talking about a Vega Brothers film for years, but I don't know. I mean, they're both too old for it to be a That's prequel now. He's been talking about all these things, but I think that uh, he wants to, from my understanding, is he want, he now wants to make he wants to that a trilogy, trilogy as well. Yeah, he uh, wants the same to finish the uh, the what is it? What was he calling it? Like historical fairy mm. tales or something? Like but he's also been gonna... talking about a Kill Bill three as well. Yeah, uh, so that would be a mistake. Yeah, yeah, that would be a big. Mistake. And because there's also talk that he's going to finally release Kill Bill: The Whole Bloody Affair. That we've been waiting for for the cool. last few years. Yeah. So, so all that stuff that he's been be talking about. That would be a great thing to focus on right now. Like that's a great thing. You've got to Django Unchained. Give it some time to boil up and then boil down, like most of his films mm-hmm. do. Yeah, do a Pixar and re-release something. Yeah, exactly. Like spend some time. <laughs> spend some time going back to what it is. To I feel a a a. a uh, Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair, 3D, 3D. 3D restoration coming up. 3D, 48 frames. Yeah. <laughs> Where he takes out all the guns and replaces them with Walkmans and removes all of the swearing and replaces it with other words. There and you has go. digital dances in there. <laughs> <laughs> and takes out the Jub Jub song for no apparent reason. I would not complain at all about that. Uh, no, I, I lament the loss of Jub Jub. Jub Jub. Actually, I do. You know what? I do too. Because whatever they replace it, just such narrative. Oh, it doesn't work. All right. Well, I think just to round off our what we've been watching segment, I think we need to go into the basement one last time. Ah, yes. And can we get something to eat before we go down? Oh, there's food down there, isn't there? I would. It's been there down a while. Oh no, we stocked it as our apocalypse basement. Oh, that's right. The Mayan apocalypse basement. Did anybody actually clean down there before we left? I haven't been down there since. Oh God. I think I left the stove on. Oh, that's fine. It's all Let's brick go down find there. Out. 
Why are we walking on gravel? Where is this thing? <laughs> I love the fact that it's raining and it's 32 degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we have an elevator last time? Good evening, and welcome to Josh's Bargain Basement. <laughs> Sorry, I was just enjoying the outro. I just, <laughs> just thought it spent some time there. It's been a while since I've been down in this basement. Um, I'm not sure if people are aware right now, but um, as long as it's still going, I didn't get a chance to check, because unfortunately, for some reason, at your house, dude, I can't connect to Google.com. I don't know what that's about. Wow. Anyway, the point is uh, Google is running a sale right now where they are letting people buy, which is nice because Google has been a primarily rental service for a right. while now, but they um, they have released movies. So they've been aware av- available for a while, but they've done a sale for $5 movies. So you can buy films for five bucks. So I've been rating the shit out of that because <laughs> why not? They're five dollar films. Woo! Do you also, need to just uh, just out of curiosity for our listeners? Do you need to hide your DNS or anything, or is it available to Australians? Oh no, no, no! It's, it's available to everyone. Too, yeah, Excellent. I don't do okay. any of that stuff. So yeah, no, it's just available. And you can download it, and um, uh, most of the films. I mean, I assume it's probably Australian. You know, there's an Australian one and overseas ones and whatever. Right, right. But um, yeah, they're doing 99 cent rentals and five dollar movie buys, which is pretty cool because it's good good to just fill up. Like I bought like 20 of them and just sat them there and went through them. Um, but the one I'm going to pull up is uh, Black Dahlia. Uh, now, oh, I know this film. Yeah, now that film kind of went in, and then I didn't watch it's it De because Palma, yeah, yeah, and like no one, no one I know talked about it. And no one kind of, like it. Just well, I don't think anybody I know actually saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, here's, here's a De Palma film that nobody watched. You know yeah, what? I think I saw this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's um, it was an it was an interesting little uh, watch to sit down for. And uh, the first thing that I have, Josh Hartnett, right? Yes, yes, yep, I did Josh Hartnett. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, it's it's that kind of noir era, kind of that just that whole just that whole period of time mm-hmm. is done very well. The visuals are fantastic. Shot relatively well, um, but it suffers from the same. And I think you like this, so feel free to chime in if you want to. But um, it suffers from the same problem that Zodiac did, which yeah, is like that Zodiac. it's like two hours too long. Yeah. I don't even know how long it is, but it's two hours. It's two hours, hours and one two minute. Hours, yeah. <laughs> now, so that leaves about maybe five, maybe ten minutes of decent film in there. It's yeah, like, the credits were really good. <laughs> like, I think it had five minutes at the beginning. It's the studio so, logo you like. Yeah. It? yeah. Well, it's sort of like you lead them with the first ten or fifteen minutes, an interesting enough story, good, uh, good, good, good chemistry between the two leads. I think it's uh, Josh Hartnett and Aaron Eckhart right. are, the, are your two leads, and it's sort of like they have an interesting uh, thing between them and Scarlett Johansson. This kind of an interesting triage almost threesome-ish kind of nature to their relationship which was quite interesting um you know sort of these things about going from like good to bad it's very De Palma in the worst kind of way it's like all of the ones that have now become almost cliches of themselves um but I this film is de- fucking disgustingly just too unorganized and just drags like 40 minute scenes that just do not need like you're just sitting there going this is exactly yeah, why. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard this about this film. Yeah. And um, I, cu- I couldn't help but just be really upset with the fact that I was still watching it. And it's been a long time since I've watched a film like that where I was like, I just, like, not, not in a, uh, this is kind of getting tedious. That happened at the halfway mark. Like, three quarters of the way through this film, I was like, I don't mm. care 
what exactly. the ending is, but I've got to see what you're going to try and do with it. And then it just sort of like exactly how I felt about Zodiac, just kind of poof. And that's it. It's kind of like there's no ending. There's the, if there is a crescendo, it happens like seven times because there's about seven endings to this thing. Like seven moments where you're like, stop. No, no, you're going to keep going. Oh, look. All right. So we're at No, no, you're just going to keep going. Oh, sweet. Well, that at least wraps that up. Oh, no, we're still going to keep it. Like, it's that bad. Like, every time it has a chance to just go out with even a little dignity, it just doesn't. And just blasts off the fire deep end of this thing and just falls off into madness. Uh, it was it was the most aggravating film I've seen this year. Yeah, De Palma is a really frustrating filmmaker. Because here's a man who makes films like... Uh, um, Obsession. He makes films like Casualties of War, The Untouchables, mm-hmm. uh, and then and Mission Impossible, the very first Mission Impossible. And then, on the flip side of that, we'll go and make films like Raising Kane, Black Dahlia, uh, even to a degree, probably The Fury, which was really overblown in its day. Yeah. You know, and it's like you sit there and you look at it and go, "You're really." frustrating filmmaker because <laughs> you are ca- oh I know another one did you guys ever see Body Double mm. with Melanie Griffith that mm, was a terrible no. film and you sit there and you look at it and go you are capable of yeah. making a good film yeah, what's yeah. wrong what is wrong with you when you do these other films <laughs> you know? you, man. It's, like, it's almost like he is as a split personality as John Lithgow was in Raising Kane. it's like at sometimes he'll do good stuff, and other times he goes, "Oh, well, I don't care." <laughs> According to my big list, I saw this on the twenty fourth of November two thousand and six. I don't really have many memories of it. <laughs> it's uh, that I, kind I, of a film. I saw it in between Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning and uh, Casino Royale. Do you remember any of oh. them? No. Oh, Casino Royale. You. Oh, Casino Royale. Because I've watched it recently. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, I because Black Dada, I was excited for it at the time. I remember when it came out because uh, James Elroy and it had only been a couple of years since mm. uh, LA Confidential had been adapted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of set around the same sort of era, sort of. And uh, I still actually get excited when De Palma films come out. When I see De Palma's making a film, I go, "Oh, De Palma's got a new film." And then, and then you start hearing about it, and you go. Oh, I don't know. And it was yeah. based on a real murder, and that murder was referenced in the other Elroy books. I think it's actually and, a remake as well. I think there's actually was, a previous Black Dahlia. Yeah, that was and made, the, the so. whole the whole thing was quite famous. So it had the potential of being something great. Yeah. But you're right; halfway through, you just stop caring. Yeah, like and you just uh, you you sort of zone out and you don't care, and then you move on and you still don't care. And it's like I like Zodiac was one of those films for me. I've I had the whole time just raging at this film because mm. I was just like. This doesn't need like the, who I do you think you're doing a smart job with this like it's like when someone like me who sat down and watched arduously long three hour freaking art house films and enjoyed the shit out of them when I see a film that's perfectly fine in every way that's its biggest that's its biggest problem is the fact that it's not holding attention it's like did no one sit down in these test screenings and just sort of mm. sit up halfway between and go are you going somewhere with this? <laughs> um, because that's kind of how it feels. It feels like it needed about, it needed another director to come in and just be like, look, I'm just going to recut this, the whole thing. Like, this, this needs a director's cut. Maybe mm. someone should come back and redo this a whole lot shorter and with a little bit more conviction. Because or it's, just bury it and pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Start again. Yeah. <laughs> Do over. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, with that, that, that's the film. Don't watch it. Don't go near it. Um, it was $5, and even that was a waste of my money. Fair enough. And let's get out of this hot old basement. <sighs> that, the food that you guys left down here a couple of months ago is really starting to smell. Yeah, and like I got to say, though, yeah, sorry, it is a bit smell. cooler down there. Like We need to just empty that room out and redo design it as a studio or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. that might be the it's way to go. It's all that shag carpeting. 
Yeah, chair carpeting? Yeah, remember we put that no, in? No, no, that's just moss. Oh, Ooh. that explains why we got the green kind. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Okay, and on to Ooh. our feature review. So, uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these. <clears throat> let's get on with it. All right. So, uh, this week we are doing The Hobbit, An oh. Unexpected Journey. What? Oh. You didn't see it? Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, directed by Peter Jackson, written by Fran Walsh, Philippa Bowens, Boyens, sorry. Uh, Guillermo del Toro gets his name in there. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and Peter Jackson, based on the novel by J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, the cast is immense, so we're not going to go through this whole thing, but we will just say that Ian McKellen comes back as Gandalf, Martin Freeman takes over the role as a young Bilbo, Richard Armitage is Thorin the basically the wannabe king. sexy dwarf. The sexy dwarf. He's basically the Aragorn of dwarves. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other dwarves which we won't go into, but we do have re- reprising their roles. Uh, uh, Hugo Weaving is Elrond again. We've got Lady Gladriel by... Um, oh, what's her name again? Um, 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 Kate. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Thank you. God, mine went out of my head. I want to know, though, why didn't we bring back Liv Tyler? Man. She was just kind of ignored. I mean... You know, elves lived uh, for thousands of years. Anyway, she was so memorable from the first three. Yeah, she you. was. I, for, what? Uh, Arwen, if you read him, like for real, I loved Arwen. Come eh? and claim really? him. I love that. That's about the only line I remember that she had. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We also have coming into this film. Um, what's his name? The Doctor from Doctor Who. Uh, um, um, oh, um, we established the other day, wasn't it? Colin Sylvester Baker? McCoy. Oh, Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester yeah. McCoy coming in as Radagast now. For those who are going, Radagast, he's not in the book. No, he's not. <laughs> so we'll come back to that during the review. Um, all right. So we are going to have a look at the IMDb listing for the plot synopsis, because these are always so entertaining. Oh, I love these. And this one is actually fairly straightforward, unfortunately. This one says, A younger and more reluctant hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, sets out on an unexpected journey to the Lonely Mountain with a spirited group of dwarves to reclaim... Uh, to reclaim... Oh, I love this. It says, To reclaim, ah, their stolen mountain. I think they got a typo in it mm. <laughs> so no, to reclaim I, that, their stolen that right. to reclaim their stolen mountain home from the dragon named smog and here is the trailer far to the east over ranges and rivers lies a single solitary peak the dwarves are determined to reclaim their homeland i like visitors as much as the next hobbit but i do like to know them before they come Visiting. Mr. Baggins? At your service. Hmm? <laughs> I'm surrounded by dwarves. What are they doing here? Oh, they're quite a merry gathering. So, this is the Hobbit. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. Me? No, 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 no. Hobbits can pass unseen by most if they choose, which gives us a distinct advantage. We will seize this chance to take back Erebor. Here, Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? I'm going on an adventure. Mithrandir, why the halfling? Why Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it is because I'm afraid. It gives me courage. So this is your purpose, to enter the mountain. What of it? There are some who would not deem it wise. A dark part has found a way back into the world. Why don't we have a game of riddles? And if it loses, what then? Well, if it loses, precious, then we eat it. 
If Baggins loses, we eat it whole. Fair enough. I will take each and every one of these dwarves over the mightiest army. Loyalty. Honor. A willing heart. I can ask no more than that. Home is now behind you. The world is ahead. Okay, so we see lots of fun dwarves, we see Gandalf, we see lots of big special effects. Let's kick this off and say, oh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." Josh, what did you think of it? Ah, oh, man, I just no, talked. I think we'll sandwich him. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun uh, with this film. Like, I... <laughs> you sound so... I no, look, it, it was one of those of things, dude. It was, it was the was end of the right. year, and I had finally got some time to myself, and I mean this with no uh, disrespect to the show, but it was like it was hard to get myself to the cinema because yeah. I was just like... I was like, look, I'm enjoying not having requirements on me and I, and I showed up to the cinema kind of a little bit kind of like, can we just fucking do this? I just want to go home. I had this like three hours long. I don't. And I, I sat down and, you know, music started playing and, and the, the, the movie kicked off. And like, I am not, I don't like to call myself a Lord of the Rings fanboy in the same way that I'm not a Star Wars fanboy uh, or a Star Trek fanboy. I watch these films and I watch them occasionally, you know, like every mm-hmm. now and then. But it's like I don't take away huge amounts of lore. I naturally collect the useless media information in yep. the back of my head. So I will be able to talk to geeks about them, but I don't hold these films with huge amounts of like I don't I don't wait for them I don't like it's it's not it's not anything against them I don't hate them I'm just not that kind of a person like when a film comes I'm like oh yeah shit yeah I'm gonna go see that Mm. but I don't hold on to it so I kind of walked in there with no expectations other than please don't suck because it's three (laughs) hours long and like Black Dahlia I watched like the night before so I was like I just can't do another three hour film that just doesn't make any sense and um, I'd heard critiques on both sides as to liking and not liking and I walked in and it's sort of like immediately just got what I wanted out of that film I got big budget um, big budget effects amazingly stunning uh, locations I got brilliant brilliantly choreographed fight epic fight scenes um i got amazing characters uh i got the return of Gollum almost better than he was in lord of the rings like this a man that's been able to return back to this subject matter that he is so fond of Mm -hmm. and so so good at and doing in my my opinion arguably the best part Gollum has in the entire series book and film like just just as a concept that era of finding him it's sort of like when I went into Lord of the Rings I knew that part because I've read the books yeah. and and because of that it's like Gollum to me is 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 very visceral and very dark and it's like the Hobbit is where I fell in love with his character because of that real desperation that horrible kind of like the really sinister side to him it's like you get elements of that in Lord of the Rings and like he has his moments where mm-hmm. he flicks both sides but 
Gollum is the darkest he ever is during that period because mm-hmm. it's just he's in that cave and, and he doesn't see people and all he does is cannibalize, eat. Well, that's right, because he's got the two sides of his personality and the vicious side is dominant. Definitely. And this you know? is the thing. It's like, and he's not just going out and looking for this ring and trying to get it back. He's He has it. He's always had it. So there's not that part of him yet. He is just essentially a killing machine that lives in the dark and holds on to this mm. precious thing. And it's sort of like... All of these aspects of the film were fantastic. There are moments where I was kind of like, ah, for real? Like, just a few moments of dialogue, uh, that'll do for one of them. Just saying, going out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. I'm not going to wreck that. Just going to put that there. I was just like, that was fucking stupid. Like, actually angry for that moment. I was like, I'm going to let it go because it's such a small scene. But I was like, that's just a dumb thing to say. Actually, didn't mind it, but we'll come back to that. Of yes. course. We'll come back to it in spoilers. But so. it's it's a Peter Jackson moment, and yeah. that's why I was kind of like... Well, I was uh, actually thinking it's more of a Barry Humphreys moment, but that's what's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, look, I I, um, I thought that the, uh, the film did what it was supposed to do. I'm very excited to see the next one because I really enjoyed my experience of it. I didn't really feel like there was anything missing from that. It was definitely... Like, my biggest fear going into this film yeah. was that I was going to get an episode one. Like, that was what I was worried about. It's like, you've got a returning back to a, a place. You've got everybody... Oh, you mean a Star Wars episode? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, Star yeah, Wars okay, episode yeah, one, yeah. the syndrome, where it's sort of like I was worried that I was going to see this film and just get nothing but phoned-in acting, actors that were kind of like, oh, I'm doing the Lord of the Rings this time round. It's sort of like, you know, I didn't want... I didn't want the love to be lost. I didn't really feel like it was lost. I felt mm-hmm. like there was a lot of chaos. I've always felt that the book was a lot like that. I felt like, feel like uh, The Hobbit is a bit more irreverent, a bit more kind of like fun, a bit oh, more it, singing. It was written as a kid's book. Exactly. So. A bit more singing. So, you know, mm-hmm. like as kind of things like this, I was sort of like, look, I've been given everything I expected out of this film. It's sort of like that is my visual representation. It's sort of like if I was to go back and read The Hobbit now... Peter Jackson just swamps my mind, like visually, image wise. Like, I will forever use Gollum, you know, Andy Serkis's Gollum now as my visualization yeah, yeah. of Gollum. So, if I return to the books now, that is pretty much what I would have expected to get. And I really want to hear this guy's opinion. I do too. I am because dying. So, I know he didn't think the same. So, Richard, we can feel you seething in the corner. Mm, so, mm. help us out. Um, yeah, look, I've got to say, when, when coming into this, it wasn't hugely anticipating it and I think back by the time that the film actually rolled around I was like I could care less because I I loved the hell out of Fellowship of the Rings mm-hmm. um, when by the time I got to Two Towers I thought that was magnificent battle okay like that's kind of where it mm-hmm. should end for me and then there was this other film at the end of it which just dragged the whole thing out by three hours which 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 was necessary because there were three books but it could have been two films. Like I think, I think because if you're going to say that a book and a film is a, is a, is a different format, you didn't need to, it to be a nine-hour story on on film. So I was quite, I was, I wasn't anticipating the Hobbit as much as a lot of Lord of the Rings fans. Even though I, I will say I'm a fan of the uh, of the original trilogy overall, because by the third one I was feeling a bit of fatigue anyway, and I was quite happy to let that um, slide. I was, however, incredibly pleased when the news finally broke that Peter Jackson was going to be doing The Hobbit because right. I thought it would be a nice little coda, a nice little bookend to uh, what he'd already made. It would be nice for him to come back and do that extra film and just tie it up. It's a nice little book. We can do an extra film out of this. Then they announced that it would be two films. And I thought, uh... Then they announced that it would be three films and I'm thinking, what the fuck are you doing? Hmm. It does not need to be three films. And I stand by that. Having now watched The Hobbit, um, and not enjoying it terribly. I actually found it quite boring. I'm going to say that up front. Now, I actually found 
pacing, it was way off the mark. Um, the unexpected part for me was when the journey started. We're, we're an hour and a half into this thing and they finally get going. They've been sitting around eating, singing songs, establishing scene, all that stuff, which I really don't think they needed to do because they didn't need to recreate that world again because we already had that world firmly established over the course of nine hours of extended editions. Mm. Now, as a result, that lack of pacing to me also was indi- indicative of a lack of direction. The, the Lord of the Rings trilogy had a really clear direction. We've got to get this round, shiny thing to that big, fiery crack thing and destroy it. Here it's kind of, we've got a mountain that they've lost and there's a dragon and there's these guys. We don't know who they really are, but they've got to get their mountain back and we're helping them for some reason, but we don't really know why. Let's just go along with it and see what happens. Um, and whereas Fellowship of the Ring was great and I thought it was a really tight film that could sit by itself and you could walk away and go, look, you know what? Hell, if they never make Two Towers Return of the King, I'm pretty fucking happy with what they did there. I mean, Mm. that's a good film. But with uh, Unexpected Journey, it never felt to me like anything other than part one of something that could have been the whole thing. I honestly believe they could have added, despite the fact that I had problems with the length, they could have added an extra 20 minutes and tied the whole book up in one one film. Mm. Uh, The fact that this has got two more films in it uh, to me, sm- smacks of commercialism rather than good storytelling. Because I cannot see how they can get another two films out of that without that are all going to be roughly the same length. This was a two-hour and 40-minute film that barely got through the first, what, four or five chapters of the book or something? Yeah, it gets up to... It gets up to we're um, only talking about a 300-page book. <coughs> they're about to get to Merkwoods. <laughs> they're about to get to Merkwoods. So. Yeah, and they've, they've made longer Harry Potter films in shorter films. <laughs> you know, so uh, my, my point being that this, this has got severe pacing issues from the start. Um, as a result, it didn't feel as that was going to be. That said, the, the key scenes that they pulled out from the book, the Gollum scene that you mentioned, mm. amazing. It was, mm. it was great. It was like one of the best things. If they'd you know, just stuck to those key scenes and made you know, The Hobbit greatest hits, it would have been a great <laughs> film. Unfortunately, he, he indulged all those Tolkien fans who'd going, what about Tom Bombadil? What about all those other things? Mm. You know, and actually decided to include every extraneous side trip and and wander off the film and book are completely different mediums and unfortunately whereas with the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, they managed to to pull out the best bits of the books and make them into a solid film here I felt as though they were trying to go page for page and it just wasn't uh, wasn't working for me. I've got to disagree with you a little bit. Though. The, the, I was going to say the other thing is, do we want to talk about the technical aspects of the film? For you? You yeah, we'll come back to that in a second. Because I have more problems when it yeah, comes yeah. to that. We'll talk, we'll talk about the, uh, the, the presentation in a second. I just wanted, to, just wanted to disagree with you just for a second, though, because with Lord of the Rings, he did very much the same thing that he did with this, which is he raided the appendices, he raided yeah, yeah, the Cimmerillion. Yeah. The whole Arwen subplot wasn't even in the book. That was added. Mm. From appendices, so we we completely. So I don't think it was just pulling the best bits. He did the same thing. He expanded even on Lord of the Rings. Mm, oh no, I agree. Um, in the case of there being three films, uh, I'm not going to. I can't apologize or anything for Peter Jackson. I don't know what his thought process is. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. But what I do know is I read an interview with him just the other day, which I thought was fascinating. The mm. choice to make it three films was actually not the studios. Mm. Um, it was yeah. it was Peter Jackson. Apparently, he was making it as two films. They were writing the scripts. They actually started to shoot the film. And during the shooting of the film, he realized Mm. that he had all this extra material that he wanted to put in there. 
and actually put together a package, sent mm. Fran Walsh and Philip Aboyans to Hollywood and basically said, lobby for another film. Mm. And basically he lobbied Hollywood Wouldn't have been say, a hard lobby, though. This is how we <laughs> want to expand this out and blah, blah, blah. While they were still shooting the film in New Zealand, he sent them off to try and yeah. to wrangle mm. the, the extra film into this. Um, and that actually kind of calmed me a little bit in the sense that I, when I first heard they made the three films, I went, oh, my God, this is MGM and everybody just getting greedy. It doesn't point. calm me that much because I don't think he's a great editor of himself. No, but this is where it comes down to my opinion of the film, yeah. which is I actually didn't mind the length and I didn't mind the stuff he put in. I love Jackson's world. Mm. I love what he's done with J.R. I'm a big fan of J.R. Tolkien's world to start with and mm. the elves and everything else. And what Jackson did by immersing us in that mm. world, I'm a huge fan of. And I actually had... No problems with the length mm. of the original Lord of the Rings. Um, and so when I sat down to watch this, I went, oh, God, how is he going to expand this? How is he going to add to this? The stuff that he put in, I found fascinating. And I sat there watching it. The, the whole stuff with Radagast going to the, to yeah. the, the castle and, and yeah. the connections to Lord of the Rings. I'm going to let you finish. But just uh, <laughs> the one thing I just want to say on that was that it's all well and good that he's putting in these extra bits and it's great they're there and Tolkien fans will recognise that this is an expansion of the world. Yeah. But as a standalone film, which is all I've got to judge but it on... But it's not a standalone film. I know it's not, but that's all I've got to judge. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm being asked to review this film, which at the moment yeah. is a third of a film. Yeah. yeah. No, I, no, I actually agree. It's, no, it's, it's, it's a third of a film that's three hours long. And I was, and so I was far. coming to that point, which, was, the, which was that like the Twilight film before it and yeah, like yeah, yeah. the Harry Potter film before it, it's impossible to review this as a film. Mm-hmm. We have to review it from what we saw and mm-hmm. as a part of a film. I sit halfway between both of you. That's the interesting point on this. It's like um, I definitely agree with you, man. I didn't I didn't have a problem with the length at all. I do agree with him in a little ways. There were a few scenes where I was like... I never found myself getting bored, though. No, no, that's fine. I'm not getting from about 45 minutes. No, 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 no. I definitely wasn't that bad. But I actually do agree. It's like I still... I got to the end of that film. I'm like, I don't want three. I think two would have been perfect. I think two would have been perfect too. Yeah, I, I legitimately think that all three of us may have a very interesting perspective on two because I think there is going to be a mm-hmm. bit of us where we might go, this one felt like it, like that one will be the one where it's like the 16 hours of unnecessary journey. Yeah, like that should be the title to the second film because it's going to be all of the stuff in between. Well, and it's going to be very interesting to see where parts. they go because we are now literally at about the halfway point in the we book. We are. And we go. We mm. now That's go to Mirkwood. I mean. like, we now struggling. have Smog, and then we have the Battle of Five Armies. This mm. is the mm. this is mm. the rest of the arc of mm. the Hobbit. So they're doing the desolation of Smog in the second film. I'm assuming the third film will be the Battle of Five Armies. And this is this is the problem he did with the original trilogy. I felt like he just had the third film ended up being nothing more than a battle. But and uh, it's a pretty. Phenomenal battle. It's great, but you know you kind of have to have plot around that as well. And when you've oh, used it all up, I felt, in the first I felt like, film, and, and this is why I felt it weird that you didn't like because I mean, like I, like I, I thought there was a lot of plot going on. I've in Return never of done. The King. I've never done the extended versions. I just don't care. Oh, I, I saw all three. Versions. I saw all three in the cinema and. Like Sorry, in a row, the fifteen endings. There was a lot of plot going on. There. I yeah. like the fifteen endings. <laughs> like there was, there was this huge chunk to do with these films where I was just kind of like watching them all together. I was like, I am not doing that again ever. Like I will know, I couldn't yeah, yeah. do that. I can't sit down and rewatch that, or at least maybe one at a time, maybe over the period of a year. But I felt the third one was perfect for me because by the time I got to the third one, I was like, just finish. Like, not in a negative way, but it's just like, come on, dude, seriously, just give me entertainment. Because See, actually, the storyline is just rattling in my head. And it's interesting, because aside from the, the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is 
arguably mm. one of the most magnificent battles put on mm. screen. Oh, Helm State is fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Return of the King is a far better film than Two Towers. Oh, I have to yeah. disagree. See, I think yeah. Two Towers, and, and it's so funny because when you actually listen to the commentaries and stuff, Two Towers almost feels like an afterthought. It yeah. almost feels like Jackson wanted to do the first one and he wanted to do the last one and then somewhere in the middle he went, oh shit, that's right. I got another film I got to do in the middle. Yeah. And it's like, and it almost feels like an afterthought and when you actually listen to him talk, he even talks like that. He even mm-hmm. talks like, oh, that's right, I've got another one because he was so intent on Return of the King. But this, this is, and, I, and I, my, my worry is, given my, my, my feelings about the pacing of mm. The Hobbit mm. and Unexpected Journey, to use its full title. Thank you. Um, Why don't we just, uh, from now on, we'll just call it Hobbit One. Hobbit One. Hobbit One. Hobbit yes, one. I like that. I'm, give, I'm give my issues with the pacing of Hobbit One yeah. um, that he at least one of these upcoming films is going to be an afterthought I think and maybe I th- even this this first one was the afterthought because it's kind of like the, there is a place where this needs to get mm. but he it took a long time and let's not forget I, Peter Jackson self-proclaimed when he yeah. said when he was asked why he did Lord of the Rings in the first place way back in 2001 mm. he did it because he liked the monsters mm. which yeah, means because yeah, yeah. he liked all the CG and the monsters which means he's doing it for Smog. Yeah. yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. So the desolation of smog is going to be Who, phenomenal. Who's going to be voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch? Which is so going to be awesome. That's gonna be great. Yeah. Look, I have no doubt it'll look a treat, but that that'll that'll bring me into the, the high frame rate. Yeah. Stuff we, when we yeah. Talk okay. About look, that. I'm gonna look. I'll, I'll wrap up. You my guys review. are gonna have I'm, to I'm do that up, because I'm gonna wrap up my review and basically say that I actually really enjoyed this film. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it is a, I think it is a worthy entry into the Lord of the Rings collection. I don't think mm. it is at this point as much of a masterpiece as I think the original Lord of the Rings trilogy is because Lord of the Rings trilogy is complete. Yeah. And yeah, we have yeah. it and we can look oh, at no, it and go, great. it's at, I think Lord of the Rings is better as a whole rather than the sum of its parts. And I think mm. when you look at Lord of the Rings, you go, it is an achievement well, in film. Which you is know exactly I mean? why the Academy gave Return of the King, King the Oscar. Picture, exactly. It was, it was the conclusion. body of work. Thing. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. body of work. And at this point, we have one film. And I think yeah, this one yeah. film has got some really good stuff in it, and it's got some, uh, arguably, okay, some there's filler. You know, I mean, you look at it and you go, he's packed it in with a bunch of filler. Mm. But I didn't mind his filler. His filler was still fun to watch. Yeah, and and I think that's the and that's key the point here. where I think we disagree. Yeah, and I think I that's where we disagree. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to say that I actually really enjoyed this. I think mm. Josh is going to say he he thought this was good. I thought it was more than yeah. good. I I legitimately walked out of that, and I'm like, God, I'm glad I'm I actually got off my ass and did that. Yeah, and I will see this film again. And when he releases an extended mm. cut, I will probably watch that because I love his world, and I can quite happily sit in that world for quite some time. Richard, I understand. I, I understand. I probably your won't see this again um, <laughs> and t- and I, and until I, you can see the whole arc. I, exactly right. I'll, I'll I'll go and watch the next two at the cinema, uh, and I can't believe there is another two though. I'll watch, <laughs> I, I, I will go and watch the next two at yep. the cinema, and yeah. then perhaps watch all three of them with the inevitable extended cut, which baffles me because I can't believe they didn't put everything they could into I this think, one. I think I'm I'm hoping there won't be an extended cut, but I think this there will felt be. like an extended. Yeah, cut. Yeah, it did feel like an extended <laughs> cut. But let's talk very quickly before we talk about spoilers on this film. Let's talk about how we consumed this okay. film. Um, I actually saw this film in 24 frames. Okay, but three. Oh yes, I really want to hear about this. So I'm the I only one who saw it in high frame rate. You saw it high frame rate 3D. You I saw, saw it at the Ritz, so there ain't no way you that saw was it 3D high. though. Y- yes. Yeah. Okay. So I saw 24. For, we saw it 24 frame 3D. Mm-hmm. You saw 48 frame 3D. This might explain a lot. It might explain <laughs> a lot because I've heard a lot of negativity and, about this. So tell us about four. Because as a 24 frame rate 3D yeah. film, first of all, I want to say 
the 3D added nothing mm. and it didn't need to be in 3D at all. I mean, it looked pretty, but it didn't need to be in 3D. Uh, but at 24 frames, it looks like any other Lord mm. of the Rings film. Yeah. I Yeah, it just yeah. looks like a Lord of the Rings film. Now, 48 frames, however. Very different story. The And, and perhaps that was the thing, that the vibe was off for me from the start. But uh, in 48 frames, it, uh, the 3D is very prominent um, right. uh, to the point that figures stand out as though they've been pasted on top of the background. That's, that's kind of the... Oh, it's, it's almost like animation in mm. that sense. The, the 48 frames is, is an interesting one. I, I've spoken to a lot of people... Uh, I want to say a lot of people. I've spoken to a few people in the industry uh, who work with red cameras, who work with epic cameras, so they know the technology, and they found it disconcerting. Knowing, knowing what the camera can do, mm. um, knowing that, you know, and, and as we know, James Cameron's convinced it's going to ramp up to 60 frames a second yes. it's the ultimate. <laughs> I... From, from the first 10 minutes of the film is really difficult to watch in, in, in that thing because you, 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 you 30 odd years of watching films for me in at, at half that, uh, uh, twice that frame, half that frame half rate, um, uh, you know, means that your brain is hardwired to watch a film. It's like trying to watch a silent film now. Everything was a little too fast, you know? Yeah. Um, your brain is hardwired to watch a film in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 48 frames a second, or high frame rate as I'll, I'll refer to it. Apparently the um, reason why they're calling it high frame rate is yeah. to accommodate James Cameron. Because right. if they call it 48 frames or, or 48 FPS, FPS um, yeah. that doesn't allow for the fact that it may ramp up even higher. Exactly. So they're exactly. just calling it high frame rate. It encompasses everything. Okay, so at, at that frame rate... Um, you do notice an instant thing. The, the, the first couple of scenes in the film are old Bilbo taking a, a mm-hmm. book out of a chest and everything. It looks really fast. It looks as though everything's just going a little bit too fast. And there was actually laughter in the audience when it first started because we all thought, is this at the wrong speed or something? Mm. Then after about 10 minutes, your brain adjusts and you're watching it at the right speed. And everything pops out a little too much. Like when you go into uh, uh, a... Um, a place that's selling televisions. You can see all the... And every, every, every television's cranked up to uh, the highest contrast, the highest yeah, brightness yeah. to try and mm, sell it. Mm, and mm. it doesn't look right. It doesn't look as though that's the film that you saw in cinemas. It looks like that constantly. It looks a wow. little too real. You know, um, the, 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 the problem with that is that this is a fantasy world. You don't want it to look like um, live sports. So this is you're, uh, you're kind of what you're saying to me is it's the same sort of issues, not high frame rate, but the same sort of issues mm. we had with Public Enemies, with that the, video look. That, the, yeah, that was completely inappropriate to the uh, the era, the, the, the era in the world. I mean, this is absolutely not a real mm. era. Uh, it's a long time ago in a world far, far away. Something like mm. that. Um, but it, it it doesn't look right. And when the special effects do hit. Um, they stand out like a sore thumb. Even, oh, even little wow. things like um, just a bunch of dwarfs sitting on the edge of a um, of a mountain overlooking something, they look as though it almost looks like mystery science theatre. You know, like they're, they're just sitting there in front of the screen and the, the movie's going on I behind I think them. we now know why he didn't like this film so much. But, <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, honestly, that, that you adjusted to fairly quickly. And almost everybody I know who, who saw the film in, in high frame rate Said that their brain switched over fairly quickly. I, di- I didn't like the look of it. I don't like the look of it. Mm. But 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 to me, it was the. It's still, the thing was that I was bored with it as a as a film. Uh, that that it. it I, but maybe you could you couldn't find yourself no, being immersed by it. Honestly, because there were points where I switched off and it looked great. The Gollum scene still looks fantastic. It's one of the few scenes in the film where the light and dark gets balanced out properly. But. Honestly, you do stop paying attention to it after a while, except for those glaring things that just sort of pop out at you, like that giant white orc. Was, it, was this one that had the giant yeah. white orc? Yeah, or the giant white orc, yeah. Looks like it's from another film. 
in the high frame rate. Yeah. Like it really doesn't look as though it's, it's supposed to be there. For, for you guys, it was all seamlessly blended yeah. into the into mm. the CGI potpourri. Uh, unfortunately, that's that that is going to stop people. This is Peter Jackson's preferred uh, way of viewing the film. So he needs, take, to get, he needs to get over that. He needs to get over that. But honestly, that aside, I still had the pacing issues with the film because it is. Let's let's we can all agree on the fact that this is a long film. You know, full stop. Two mm. hours and 40 minutes is a long time to be parked on your ass. But two hours and 40 for... minutes is a long time, I find. Two hours for and 40 minutes. For the first third of a film. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, it's okay. A, it's a, no, <laughs> so. no, but the thing is, I look at it this way and go, I have seen films that are longer mm. that I have been bored with. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, because, I've seen films Because I wasn't bored, the me, two yeah. hours and 40 minutes didn't bother me. Yeah. It just slid past. And know? I was the opposite. To me, I was clock watching. But look, I think, I think the high frame rate's an interesting one because I don't know whether this is going to take off quite as quickly as 3D did, um, what only three, four years ago. Considering that if you go uh, looking for a high frame rate screening at the moment, there's like yeah. one... Well, I mean, look, cinemas have frame. to. Look, most cinemas have just converted in the last three, four years to three D. Yeah, uh, they're not going to all sort of suddenly change sixty to, frames exactly. Of, yeah. Well, um, theoretically, any cinema that is doing digital can actually project this. Exactly. They just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the thing is, I, I honestly think uh, I haven't seen it in in twenty four frames. Haven't in, in the standard three D as they're calling it. Um, Look, if you're going to see this film, I would recommend seeing it in that format because this is just... Although, as a curiosity, if you can see it I'm in I'm actually going to go frames, a step further. I'm going to say if you can, just go see it in 24-frame 2D. Yeah. I don't think the 3D adds yeah. anything to this. Because with the 48 frames, the 3D is noticeable as adding a layer of depth. You do actually get that. I mean, it's there. It just doesn't... Depth, it doesn't just... Uh, it's not... Look, honestly, since since Avatar 2009, was it? Mm-hmm. There's... There, I can only I could name on one hand the films that have made good use of 3D. Uh, I don't think there's been a lot of great, a lot of good animated films. Look, an- animated is different yeah. because they create everything from scratch. There's mm. no there's no elements in an animated film that exist in the real world. Yeah, mm. um, everything from the sound upwards is created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, uh, and I think that's different because they are actually giving they're using 3D to give life to a world that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. which Jackson kind of wants to do here, but. I think Jackson's far more interested in the toys than he is in storytelling. Hmm. I think that's very true. So I think that, no, I think that's very true. I think um, he would probably admit to that as well. Hmm. Okay, so I think the general consensus is uh, two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> and if you are going to go see it, go see it in twenty-four frames. <laughs> Definitely, I think we can all agree on that. Um, let's talk. Let's do a very, very quick spoiler section, just so we can talk about a couple of things that if people have read The Hobbit, but they may not know these scenes because they're mm-hmm. added on scene. So let's go quickly into the spoiler zone. Just a reminder that if you don't want to hear spoilers on The Hobbit, uh, the time codes will be in the post. Just skip over this section and come back to us at the end. So here we go. Hello. That's not coming in anywhere. Where is it? Try that again. Sorry about that. I thought this was a professional. The sound, yeah, was know, right? just... <laughs> the sound was turned down on my door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is spoilers for The Hobbit 1. Um, I, I don't know why I have this nylon stick in my hand. Here. I did as well. I'm like, would you put that fucking thing down the whole <laughs> it's time? Like a, it's so I can conduct the show. No. All right, so I want to talk about a couple of things. First thing I want to talk about is the Radagast character. Mm. who I thought was charming and had a lot of fun with him. But there's been a lot of hate leveled against him, probably because he wasn't in the book. He's the Jar Jar Binks of the Hobbit world. Oh, he was not that bad. <laughs> no, oh, really my God. <laughs> but I love that scene. I love the thing. One of the things I really did enjoy about this film was I enjoyed the fact that that he's weaving it into 
his Lord of the Rings world. Yeah. And I love the fact that we have that scene with Radagast with going to that the um, the, the fortress. Mm. And, oh, that was a good scene. And I the Witch that. King making his mm. appearance mm. Yeah. and him getting the more of a blade. Oh, dude, no, you know what I loved more than anything? I just loved having a line where Christopher Lee could say, he takes too much mushrooms. And I was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor old Christopher Lee. He looked like he was about to Oh, dude, I got, I got to say, man, I surprised he was there. And second of mm. all, I thought that he was pretty average. Like, I, I mean that with no disrespect. The man is trying and he's fucking probably a thousand years old now. I think he's, I mean, he's on his last legs. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you will know. <laughs> word. This is what I'm saying. It's like I, I level no hate towards him because I'm like, you did a perfectly reasonable job, I guess. But like the whole time I was like, you are seriously finding this in. And look, you and, know, there's one thing I'll give Jackson credit for that obviously there was so much love on set from those first three films that people are mm. willing to come back. Yes. It's like with five bring, minutes on screen. Bringing back Elijah Wood for the opening scene and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, they would have had look, to fly I, all the way to New Zealand to do five minutes. Of, yeah, it was know. interesting because I was with some people and uh, one of them did say they were like look um, you know I felt that that was a really unnecessary thing and I was like I actually didn't because I felt like that was a really good way like I haven't watched them I'm not one of these people I haven't watched the extended editions and the other editions the last time I saw the fucking Lord of the Rings was in the cinema Mm. like most people and for me it was good because it helped me click back to the place like for Mm. me I kind of like I saw the scene and I saw him folding out the book and I was like oh right yeah because he was at the start and it was sort of like even though I know these stories relatively well, I wasn't mentally mm, really... Mm. I wasn't there. I wasn't in a Lord of the Rings world. And it was kind of connecting for me. I felt like that was good just to have those scenes there. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought that, yeah, the scene you were talking about with Radagast, really good. Yeah, I, I, I liked him a lot. I thought Sylvester McCoy was having a lot of fun with it as well. And I thought, mm. uh, what is it? I he, loved he, his fucking little... Sled with the rabbits? Fucking sled rabbits. <laughs> I was like, that shit is awesome. And you know what? That is the most gangster character that has been in any Lord of the Rings film ever. <laughs> this dude's just like, shit's going down. I'm going to jump on my vehicle and just hoon across the... I was just looking at this dude going, this guy's proactive. He's putting down I his like shrooms it. and heading out. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like, <laughs> shit's got to happen. So he just leaves and goes on this epic <laughs> journey with one of the most amazing vehicles of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, the, other thing I th- the other thing that has been leveled, uh, criticism that was leveled against this film, I think it was actually Slash Filmcast leveled against this film, where they basically said the white orc that you mentioned before, mm-hmm. and they were saying that this is not a character in the book. Um, there was no white orc oh, chasing sour down. grapes. But I looked at it this yeah. way. I actually thought J.R. Tolkien's work works as a novel. When mm. you actually make a film... You kind of need to have an antagonist of oh, some no, kind. Absolutely agree. And, and, and this is the same yeah. argument that was leveled against the Urukai warrior that fought Aragorn in Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. That warrior was also not in the book. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. we like, created every so that, single thing that was added to the fucking the uh, the Harry Potter films. Yes. it's like everybody's like, uh, every time you add something new, and it's like, you know what? Just take a moment to think about film and mm. understand that if I took that book and wrote a dialogue script for it, it would be a fucking terrible yeah, film. And, as an example, the the scene in the, in, the, in this film where they end up in the trees yes. and they're throwing mm. the flaming acorns, which is That's in the true. book, which is yeah. in the book. Yeah. But in the book, it's just a horde of faceless goblins that yeah. they're fa- that have followed them out of basically yeah. out of the out of the the mountain, and and that all works, and the eagles come and take them away, and all that sort of stuff. But we actually get to add that little bit of dramatic tension by making it this protagonist, this antagonist to Thorin, to give it that little bit of weight behind it rather than just being a bunch of faceless goblins mm. coming out of the mountain. So I have no problem with them fabricating some characters to give it some life. You mm. know, mm. as you get that conflict then that isn't just 
more of the same. Mm-hmm. But we already just had a bunch of faceless goblins chasing them. We didn't need to do that again. Yeah, no, we so really didn't. I didn't. I don't see where the criticism is of being of making an antagonist. Yeah, but like my my biggest question for that is like <laughs> I would have to listen to the show, and I'm I'm not leveling anything against the slash film cast. I mean, that, that, that wasn't really negative. It was just they were saying why did they have to do that? And it's like this is why. You well, know? look, I I realistically think anybody that levels hate because of something that's added to a film like this just really has to look at the fact and just go, yeah, but is that your fan issue with the film Mm -hmm. or is it a problem with the film? Because that's one of the things that I get very sick of this blogging sphere kind of world that we live in is that people just throw fan hate with no attached question in their own mind. Like, Like I would never level something like that at something unless I had taken the time to think about it. Sounds a little bit like you're talking about John Carter again. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's, it's super. I actually, you know, given my issues with the film, I would have liked some more antagonists thrown in the first, you know, hour and Mm. a half of the film because I Mm. felt uh, that that's where the antagonist was sorely missing and they are missing in the book as well. But I mean, it's a different thing. But the book uh, reads clearer because you've got internal monologue running and all sorts of other yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. And, and because of those 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 issues that we, we said, you mm. know, it's it's uh, uh, the book and the film are very different mediums and I think that's true. I've got no problem with an antagonist being added in there at all and I think that, that did actually spice things up for me when I was feeling yeah. kind of flat with the film. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's necessary. I think it's absolutely necessary. I, I had more... The only issues I had with some of the returning characters and I thought it was funny. I, t- I lent over to someone... Um, uh, when Kate Blanchett's character turned up, I got right. Oh, here's another hour of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bitch. <laughs> but she was actually she she's obviously gotten hit in the head uh, some stage between the Hobbit because she was talking a lot faster in this one. Maybe because she was just talking at she 48 frames. Get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, that could be the 48 frames the second thing again. <laughs> um, but it's it's you know it, it was uh, some some of the, the the characters felt gratuitous, but actually they were the, they were the joyous moments of the film mm. for me. Um, um, as Josh said, it was just kind of just snapping yourself back into that world that you did actually enjoy the first time. I have a funny feeling. I think I know what the third film is going to be about. I've, if if this film is anything to go by, with the fact that we've introduced this this nemesis known as the Necromancer, mm. which I think is coming from the Cimmerillion. I don't think this is coming. This isn't in I, The Hobbit. I don't know. Let's, let's, um, but anyway, the whole thing about talking. the birth of the, the Morgul... Yeah, kings and all. So I have a funny feeling that we're going to get through the dwarf story, and then the third book will be the third film will be the tie-in mm. for Lord of the Rings. So it's going to be the necromancer bringing back Sauron and all that sort of stuff. I, th- I just have this funny feeling that they're setting that up mm. for a third film. Oh, yeah, because um, yeah, the necromancer is actually there's a reveal um, in uh, yeah. Apparently, the necromancer is uh, revealed as a character who has already uh, been established in the Lord of the Rings uh, books. Oh, okay. Uh, um, and uh, you, can, you can see here it is, uh, Josh, because I've got the page up here. Oh, yes. yes. Um, and uh, that will tie it in. That is yes. from Silmarillion, and that will tie it in directly to the Lord of the Rings. So trilogy. I have a funny feeling the, yeah. third, the third film is going to be more Silmarillion. That actually makes me feel a bit better about those scenes. Um, mm, yeah. But uh, not knowing that going in, that's a problem. But that's because kind of, you're supposed to go for the journey across these films. Yeah, look, I'm all about, I know, I recognize, so I actually, because I did it's a... It's the unexpected journey. Well, it's funny, I, I, did a radio, <laughs> I did a radio gig last week, we were talking about uh, road movies, and I kept banging on saying, uh, you know, it's the destination, not the journey. It's, it's the journey, not the destination, man. And, uh, but this, uh, I, I couldn't get on board. I wanted to get off the boat. <laughs> Uh, you know. I so and you should never get you. off the boat. <laughs> you should never get off the boat. <laughs> Fucking tigers. All right, here we go. Let's get out of the spoiler zone here. Anything else you want to add? 
Um, Because it's getting hot in here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so to wrap this up today, (laughs) we're going to do the very last lists of five. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have new things for the new show, but I think we've exhausted the list of five as far as we can take them. And there's noise outside of the studio. I don't know what all that's all about. But we're You're doing. excited a... about the final list of five ever. <laughs> this week we're doing. Now, we got to get this wording right because it's not about the best. Oh, it's just five films we enjoyed this year. Five films we that. enjoyed. Okay? The uh, five films we enjoyed this year. And let's be very clear. This is, we're not trying to say that this is the best films of the year. We're not trying to say that these are masterpieces. These are what we had the most fun with. Mm-hmm. And let's start with you, Josh. What's your number five? Okay. Um, because I just can't get through this year without giving a good and bad because there's been some... Like, 2012 has been... I'm not even going to dwell on the bad Fucking this year. terrible. And, dude, I, I'm a bit of cynic. So I get to do this, whether you like it or not. Okay, so I'm go gonna, for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of d- 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 up the list and I'll give you a good and a bad at the okay, same time. So okay, so give, cool. give, me, give me a good first. Okay, cool. Uh, good. Uh, look, if you weighed up everything that came out, people are going to disagree with me. I already it's know that. It's about what you enjoyed, dude. Exactly. Um, as far as films that I enjoyed, especially because this particular film um, changed my opinion of an entire way that we, uh, like an entire generational filmmaking type, uh, which I've previously hated on quite severely. Um, I thought Chronicle did an amazing job at bringing I, that I found footage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it was great to see a found footage movie that could tie the concept of blockbuster and that together, not like yeah, that yeah. fucking awful J.J. Abrams film. I said I didn't mind that either. Yeah, I know you didn't. <laughs> but you see, like for me, it's like I look at that film and I'm like, so many unanswered questions, so much left that needed to be sorted out, just complete. Like, and it's like that's what keeps people into that film is like, oh, but what about this? And that was. So, I'm like, no, those were just unanswered questions that will never be answered. So therefore. Not as good as Chronicle, which was a complete open and shut story. Needed tweaks. Definitely not the best film I've seen. Rewatching it, I was like, look, there are parts to this I would like to do away with, and it's definitely a best one-watch film. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, just to see somebody revive a genre of films that are falling apart slowly, I thought this worked quite well. Mm. Um, I, I would also like to almost uh, like just put on par with that also VHS, though um, some parts to it are average. I thought as a uh, interesting experiment of a whole bunch of mishmashy kind of crockpotted films put together, those two kind of sit side by side. My uh, bad film uh, is definitely going to be Prometheus. I don't want to talk heaps about it, but I'm definitely saying that it was one of the worst films of this year. No, it's okay. I'll actually go on record and say that Prometheus is probably the most disappointing, disappointing. film yeah, of the year. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I've uh, actually started carrying around on my keychain a small Prometheus thing because I will forever remember the moment where geek fandom essentially... Uh, died away for me and died as a concept and I refuse to admit to it and I refuse to attach to it from now on. Even films like Alien, I'm removing my love to them and saying, yeah, there are a bunch of films. They're good in some parts, but as a whole, there's actually a lot of crap to them. Like, I just, I won't be a fan anymore because I'm starting to feel like that film proved to me that it can cloud a judgment. Mm. And That's it took a very me, interesting it, observation. Yeah, it yeah. took three It took three watchings of the film to sit there and go, no, no, I'm just going to have to admit this one and just say this is an awful film. Because there's so and, many people hung up on the ending saying, yeah, but it ties into the I was like, no, but the other three yeah. quarters of the film were shit. Yeah, yeah but also, you know, <laughs> also when you get right down to it, the ending doesn't tie into anything. No, no it doesn't. That's the 
problem. And this is the, it's exactly it what I was talking the about with film the, is help that. Me out yeah, there. exactly. JJ Abrams film Cloverfield. Cloverfield is exactly the same problem. It's he actually like, didn't direct it though, so to be I, fair, it's not his film. Fuck. It was a shitty film. I liked Cloverfield. Yep. Anyway, the point was same problems that I have. Met JJ Abrams. We've all met JJ Abrams. But this is the thing. It's like as a concept, I love it. And there's a whole bunch of stuff to love, but I feel the same way about Cloverfield that I do about this. You just have so many unanswered questions and you've done nothing. You've been essentially given an unending budget and created nothing but lack of ties and nothing. But I enjoyed myself bah. on the ride. Bah. And that's what mattered. Bah. <laughs> Richard, what's your number five? I'm going to follow Josh's suit because I've already got a list of bad movies for the year. So okay, my, cool. My we, number we should five. probably be doing this quicker. I'm, I'm saying that more towards myself. I'm going to be a bit quicker next time. <laughs> uh, there'll be some you'll go through quickly. There's some that'll need yeah. some explanation. And you'll go through me quick because I don't have a bad. So There you go. Um, Sorry, this is, of a lot of people, this will be on the uh, uh, their worst of the year. But I, I enjoyed the hell out of Rock of Ages because, God damn it, it was a musical that came out this year. This is my number five. Absolutely, you enjoyed, enjoyed it. Films. That's right. I loved the the stage musical. It's one of the most rollicking. Let's, re- let's refresh everybody's memory out there. These are films that we enjoyed. enjoyed. Look, I know I've been unabashedly a big fan of this film since it came out. I. I I love the film. I love the song. I love all the 80s music. I love the fact that everyone in, in the film was having fun. Um, and uh, completely to my surprise, Tom Cruise is rock god Stacey Jacks. I, I, mean, actually, I finally uh, saw it and I enjoyed it. I felt there was something missing from it, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. That's but true. But I did enjoy it. Yeah. And I thought the entire film was made worthwhile because of Tom Cruise. Tom mm. Cruise was Staggering. Hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> no, uh, he's on, hey the, man. on the flip side of that, uh, bad film for the year. I'm going to pick something from my list of bad films. So, there's a film you didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy. Let's just go with Maniac, which yeah. is the remake Maniac. Which I was yeah. looking forward to, but now so you told me about it, I don't want to see it. There's a British comedy called Peep Show. Um, I've seen and, that, and it's like a um, it's like a bad horror version of that. Oh, Someone God. described it. No, it's it's really bad. It just it it it, it wallows in the uh, the whole depravity of it without actually having any point to the depravity. Oh, it's, it, it's unfortunate. That's sad. I, I was disappointed because I was looking forward to it, and I saw it at a big midnight. Especially because the original the original Maniac is such a piece of junk B grade horror. Yeah, film. well, That's I fun. S- I saw it with a big midnight screening at a festival with all like minded individuals. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like seeing a film with like five hundred Joshes, you know. <laughs> um, but nobody walked out feeling particularly happy about it. I don't right. Think. So yeah. um, I had yeah. to take that one with a grain of salt. Fair enough. Look, my number five is a simple one because my number five rippling over that concept. Five hundred jumps. My number five is an easy one. I'm actually going to put down the Hobbit. I really enjoyed it, and I think it is actually a really good film. You're wrong, but yeah, it's interesting. That's fine. Uh, Remember, it's about enjoyment, (laughs) and I actually really enjoyed revisiting. No, we we forgot to mention my list is definitive. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, some kind of blogger or something? Anyway, (laughs) oh snap! Don't you dare put me in the same category as blogger. (laughs) Uh, Josh, number four. Um, my number four is uh, a film which I really enjoyed because I finally got around to seeing it. Uh, missed it at the cinema. I sat down and watched a beautiful Blu-ray copy of The Woman in Black mm. and I uh, have nothing but good things to say about it. It's like, look, it's not perfect and it's by the numbers. It is completely by the numbers. Like, there mm. is no real surprise, but it's goddamn staggeringly beautiful. It is like, beautiful it's to just, look at, yes. Oh, it's just gorgeous. It's Beautifully Actually shot. Actually, kind of creeped me out a little bit. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. Like, and, and it's good because it's kind of both worlds. It's like you could sit down and watch that with a relatively non-horror like fan, 
and probably still walk away both enjoying it because mm. it's it's more creep and bang and, and shuffle and stuff like that than it is just pure gore or horror. So because of that, it, it's kind of really good. And Radcliffe proving to me once yeah. again that there is a little bit to him that can step past There's that. more than Harry Potter. There is. And it's beautiful to see when people can make it past that because it's like the whole child actor syndrome. It's like if yeah. you don't walk away from that and still pull off act, even if they're close to your original material. If you can just walk past mm. it and get to something else, great. So yeah. that's that. Uh, on my bad films list, I'm going to say Red Tails. Mm. Oh, yeah, I can see, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I remember your review of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. go back yeah. and see you one know. of our earlier episodes. Yeah, this, what, this, do you, yeah. what do you know? That was shorter. Mm. That's all there I want to say. Done. Richard, you're number four. Uh, number four in my uh, in films I enjoy this year. Took me completely by surprise, The Hunger Games, because I wasn't expecting to enjoy... I actually completely forgot to put that on my list. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting to enjoy that at all, because I thought, okay, it's going to be another Twilight-esque kind of teen thing. Found out it was actually kind of a cool... uh, You know, admittedly, the concepts stolen from Battle Royale and similar films and stuff, but... I just enjoyed it. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, and I did. And It I was wa- far better than I expected it to be. And I watched it again yeah. recently, and it actually works as a good second view film I actually as well. think it's better the second time. It though. is. So uh, it snuck into my list, uh, and I was surprised yeah. by that. Uh-huh. So, and, and for the bad one, um, I'll pick another one from there, because I don't want to put that one yet. I'm going to say The Darkest Hour. Let's oh, just that say that trash. one. It was a terrible film <laughs> uh, for so many reasons. <laughs> Uh, plot holes are plenty. Terrible acting. Everyone in that film capable of more. But it they, was terrible. But they around. decided not to show. And it. comes from a completely flawed, stupid idea. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, no. So I got nothing not, good not to say good. about that film. Not good. Yeah. Uh, my number four is going to be uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. This was mm. pure cinematic popcorn junk. And I had a blast watching it. Rewatched it. Did not like it on the oh, second Oh, so I haven't rewatched it. I've only seen it the one time, and mm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I had problems with it, but it was still a big, fun, dumb action problem film. Problem is, which is you just is. couldn't, you can't deal with the problems. It's like you sit there and go, yeah, there's problems. Oh, that's right. It's Abraham Lincoln and Vampire, Vampire Hunter. Hunter. So you kind of have to throw the problems. It does take itself very seriously, which is where I think a lot of people allow themselves to pick it apart. Which, which is actually, for me, the saving grace of the film. Yeah, because I think that there is that uh, there is that sense of realism that they're going for mm. that actually allows it to because it plays itself so straight. You buy into if, if you want to pick world. a film apart. I think there's an asylum version you can get. Which is oh, that's favorite. Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln Zombie Slayer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like that. uh, yeah. Josh, your number three. Uh, my number three uh, is uh, look this this film. I only watched really recently, so it's a bit like Dave's The Hobbit. I'm kind of adding it because I'm stunned at what they did. Like there were moments, and I was watching it with Celine, and she brought up some very valid points as we went through. She's like, "That wasn't that good," but I was like, "It's one fucking take. The whole film is one fucking take. Like we're talking about this is essentially a theatrical." Sh- thing but the cameraman is an entire actor no well i'm not sure what the because it's based on original but i'm talking about the 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 one that was shot here and from the moment the film starts the 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 entire the best actor in this film is the cameraman name of the film uh it's called silent house silent house yeah okay yep now silent house is amazing like uh, to do what they did i mean like look i'm not saying theater plays have been done before and i'm not saying it's impossible to do everything in one take it's very doable but what's hard is to do it all and then capture it perfectly on mm. film while you're doing this that is an incredible feat 
to be able to do that. There is no real moments in this film where you feel like acting wise that it falls off the platter. There are a few moments where you're like, you're probably sitting in that position too long or you're probably holding that moment. But give them a moment to go from what is essentially um, absolute terrified or or crying or something like that and just snap back into a different moment because you just have to move on. You're essentially acting out an entire experience that isn't happening. And that's stunning. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen. That's right. Olsen twins, Olsen. Oh, Elizabeth Olsen's amazing. Oh, Olsen twin. No, she's not no. a twin. She's the other she's, one. She's, she's the, the other one. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Olsen, but yeah. She, she's there and she's the, she's this girl and, and she is just pouring her heart into this role. And it's like, look, there are moments where I'm like, you're an incredibly unbalanced person. Not offset. I'm not getting into that. But like her character at times, you're like, oh, you're a bit, you're a bit crazy in the head but it kind of wraps up why by the end of the film so you can let it go mm-hmm. but to be able to do this in a single take is just stunning and people should watch this film it's available on all sorts of places right now I bought it on Google for 20 bucks cool. and it was worth it definitely keeping that film going to be showing a lot of people this year that film um, and for bad films I'm going to chuck in Dark Shadows just want to get <laughs> just want to get that done Dark Shadows let's slap Tim Burton one more time yep okay. bam cool. I'm done Richard um uh, for the, my third film, uh, enjoyed the most this year, Cabin in the Woods, which I know is probably going to be on also everyone's my number list. three. Snap, snap. Well, let's <laughs> save our discussion because I suspect it'll be higher on Josh's list. Uh, not much higher. Uh, not much higher than three. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's no. either two or one at this point, I'm guessing. Um, but uh, yeah, look, uh, for all the reasons that we'll probably talk about later, took me by surprise. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I've, somehow I missed all the pre-pub about this film because I avoid most horror films now because I got very cynical about them right? and uh, I think it's really easy to get very cynical about them for all the reasons Josh has mentioned over the years mm. most of them are shit mm. um, uh, with the exception of a few ones that, that stand out um, on the flip side of that um, the uh, bad film uh, let me see there's so many I'm going to go with uh, what to expect when you're expecting yeah that was crap uh, which was a really bad film people were walking out of that at a critic screening which very rarely happens uh, mm. And it was it was just unapologetically shit. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and and there's there's nothing else to say. You about can it. always tell uh, something that we have come to notice is that the worse a film is, the mm. more they try and give you. So when we actually yeah, sat, yeah, we got when we actually sat down at the what to expect when you're expecting, there were show bags on all the chairs with we got like uh, skin like creams skin and all sorts of stuff and in the show bags. It's like you got other screenings. You go there and they've got the drinks and the and the popcorns all lined up when you're going and you're going. What are you trying to buy? What they didn't there? give us in there was any birth control, so we could stop from being pregnant. <laughs> like the um, yes, no, not a good film at all. And as I said, my number three is also Cabin in the Woods. Pretty much for all the same reasons. I knew it was coming. I had no idea what to expect. Mm. And from, from that very first scene, we you know when and with, with in the uh, in the lab, and then like just the title slamming against yeah. the, the screen. You know you're in for something different. Absolutely. Mm. And, mm. and then what? What everything that happens after that is unexpected. And every time you think you've finally got your hands around it. Yeah. It just slips out again, yep. and it that, just that goes happens, somewhere else. That, that's that's a metaphor for life. <laughs> so we're talking about Cabin in the Woods right now. Yeah, they were yeah. Kind yeah. Of well, look, um, we may as well just tie this in because I'm next, right? Yeah, you're next. Like, go for it. Yeah. So look, Cabin in the Woods is mine. So let's talk it out. So um, you're number two. Number two. Um, uh, Cabin in the Woods is fantastic. Like uh, I have it on Blu-ray, and I will watch the shiznit out of that film over this year, just rewatching it because there's a ton of things I know I've missed, and there's plenty of background material. It's just goodies everywhere yeah, yeah, yeah. amazing dialogue hilarious scary violent uh self-referential 
and also the first movie where I feel like the stoner character doesn't have to be shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> but not everyone that smokes weed is necessarily an idiot. And I really like that. It was like it was just pleasantly surprising to see a film where this character was relatively intelligent and just also a really fun character to have around. It's like people creating or and breaking stereotypes all in the same film, which is a really interesting and unique way to look at a our generation and be a, a very stereotypical and very usually overused character set that we have in horror films because it's easier than creating something authentic or interesting and uh it's just laziness and this film pointed that out in a lot of ways and i loved it for that hmm. um uh, on my negative films i'm going to put journey to the the mysterious island <laughs> bullshit um, I just, yeah, I could not have been more upset at a film this year. I actually heard they're playing number three. Of so. course they are. I'm mm. sure kids went and watched this, and I completely understand why you could put aside things and just watch this, because if I didn't care about acting and dialogue and all this sort of stuff, I probably could have watched. This will be the film that the next generation of people that grew up enjoying films remember that they enjoyed and then in their adult life return to and go oh jesus what was i thinking yes yeah. so i reckon the next film they'll all be shrunk down to microscopic size and it'll be entirely set on uh, the rocks pecs oh dude that's fantastic yeah. the second you said that i'm like yes yes yeah. he can I would bounce them off he'd bounce them off and he has to like they have the like, jungle in his pec hair yeah and I they have it. to like yeah, they have to get from one to the other so they have to time it so that it bounces off one peck and onto the other. I don't know if I could fill two hours with that film. Oh, I, I, you, you could fill two hours. Mind with you, the they couldn't the fill two picks. hours with their film. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, moving along. Richard, number two. My number two is another unfairly maligned film this year. In fact, so maligned, the bad reviews came out before the, the film had even been screened. <laughs> My favorite time, uh, yes. which was uh, John Carter. Yeah, uh, a film that was we've 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 said before was assassinated before it even yeah. and uh, it's not a cinemas. masterpiece of a cinema, but it was damn fun. It, no, look, it 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 wasn't returned to an old fashioned form of filmmaking, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was a uh, it, it was exactly that. It was fun. It was a good sci fi romp. Yes. Um, Given that the other sci-fi film this year, the big one, was Prometheus, which we've already spoke about being incredibly disappointing because it took itself so seriously. Yeah, uh, th- This was a film that was kind of like, hey, let's just go to Mars, defy you know, all laws of physics and have fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, and uh, we didn't care. And the people who were picking it apart were picking it apart for those reasons. Like, oh, well, his legs would have snapped in half when he landed on... <laughs> it's like, who gives a shit? It's a fun film. It was based on a book written a hundred years ago. Yeah. And it was fun. And I think uh, maybe it was miscast in the lead. I actually think I quite enjoyed uh, the lead. I thought he was good, but I think half the reason... People stayed away from it. Nobody knew who he was. It was badly marketed. Disney really dropped the ball on this one. In a year when they did so well with so many other films, mm. they 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 really, really, really dropped the ball. It wouldn't have worked well as a summer film. Um, it's sort of coming along in February, I think, uh, is an odd time to release a it film. Anyway. Well, it should have been a summer um, film. That's the problem. It should have been a big blockbuster. Look, you know, it has so many problems in the marketing. It's not a perfect film, but... God damn it! I I will defend this film and say how much I enjoyed yeah, it. I had a I had a blast watching it. It was a lot of fun. It was just a good old fashioned adventure film, and I have no arguments with that. Yep. Mm. And oh, sorry. And the bad one on the flip side of that, uh, we're getting down to the business end of the bad list now. Um, I am going to say Dark Shadows. Yep. Um, because uh, it was just pure shit. 
Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't find. There wasn't a single thing in there that I found redeeming. I, I found it was kind of like it was trying to parody the films. Uh, it was trying to be a parody of the original TV series, but pay homage to it. But at the same time, be a Tim Burton film. And the irony was it ended up par- as well. and be serious as well. And the irony was it ended up par- being a parody of itself. Being a parody of a Tim Burton film because it was kind of like you could just tick the boxes and and then run That's away screaming. Like it, yeah. was, it, 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 it was sad. Actually, it was. It was mm. a sad film. It's it, sad. Was a great, it's sad it was a great it concept, happen. and if anybody could have made it work, it would have been him. And I actually legitimately like the, most of his films. It's like I can see the trailer and be like, oh god. But part this of is me was still kind of looking. Yeah, forward yeah like to part it. of yeah. me watched that film and it's like this is a great concept idea. Bring back a terrible TV series. Go back to what he did so well, mm. like schlock fucking you know sort of vile uh you know violent but also really camp and also funny and then yeah, yeah. slightly off color and a little bit more menacing than some of his more recent flowery versions of films it's like nope no you just did no. the same thing again yeah. and yeah. that's what people want from him so dave are you one is my number one my number two, two and then you're gonna start one so uh, my number two is skyfall uh, yeah, because nice. I just had a blast watching this. This was a return to form for James Bond. It yep. was like a good old fashioned Bond film. We were right back to where we should have been, and I just I had a, I had a great time watching it. And I, yeah, some people criticized the last last act, and I didn't care. I was really I was just in it. I was in there with them, and I was going along for the ride. You know, it, it's it's look. It, it brought back cool Bond. We spoke yeah. about this last week, but it was it's it's cool. And it was, yeah. we're starting to see the beginnings of gadgets and it's going to be, we're, we're heading into Bond territory now. Yeah. And, and we're finally back. So I really enjoyed it and, and I had no problems with it. And I know there's a lot of people out there at the moment who are basically going, oh, Skyfall had problems. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> it was our fun. standard response to anybody who disagrees with us is fuck you. <laughs> All right, let's do, let's do a lightning round of ones. Uh, Josh, number one. Uh, number one on my good list was Dread 3D. Which I still I had haven't a seen. Fucking nice. ball with <laughs> that was... film. And you know what? I don't give a shit what you thought about that film. I thought it was the most fun rollick I had all year. <laughs> it was everything I love about films. It was violent and it was it was brutal and it had funny moments, but it had funny moments in well done, organized way. Carl Urban. That amazing job, just amazing job. He you embodied... went to the same screening I did when he was doing the Q and A. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that just made it even more fun. Yes, so, no, and yeah. it was just just stunningly fucking fantastically put together. And it was like I got to the end of the film and and it finished in a much more traditionally kind of that way kind of a thing. Uh, you know, in the in the very uh, 2000 AD, it was mm, it was mm. it was much more fitting to that kind of a thing. And I just I walked out of that and I'm like. I will I will rewatch the shit out of that. I haven't had an '80s style. I'll rewatch it and just be like popcorn in the mouth oh, yeah. the whole time. Oh yeah, everything is just serious and and oh that doesn't make sense and oh, this is wrong and that that's wrong and this is this is a little off and that color wasn't right to the original book. It was like just to watch something where they were like. Fuck your preconceived notions. I'm just going to have a fucking yeah, blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, the first film I've watched legitimately, even at a, Avatar included, where I want a 3D TV for that film. 
It, I want to be able to rewatch it. It did actually make good use of 3D. It, yeah. it made genuinely good use of 3D. Cool. I've exactly. really got to see it. I still yeah. haven't seen yeah. it. Yet. No, yes. it's fun. And on my negative films, I just want to say uh, a film which I will be buying on Blu-ray because <laughs> it is that awful. It is that awful. There is two Blu-ray purchases that I'll be buying just for the reactions I will get from people that know me. But I will be buying one film that we all agreed was fantastically terrible, which was Abduction. And the other one is my number one, which is Gone. Gone. <laughs> which was just stunning awful like I've never been so interested in how badly they plan to wrap this up like it's like it's it's almost like if the train was coming directly towards you and you get a front seat look at the first front row that gets splattered and being like no 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 just wait I just gotta see how this pans out <laughs> and that's exactly how I felt about that film next person Richard. Uh, that, would, that would be me. Okay, my number one is going to be the same as David's number one, I am sure, which is The Avengers. Because oh, it, yeah. It was a film that I took along. Actually, I didn't enjoy as much the first time around because I think my expect, expectations were killing it. Mm. Um, and it wasn't. And, and I saw it uh, in London, away from my geek brethren. Um, <laughs> uh, and I came back, watched it again with David, and, and it was like. And we were just turning around to each other throughout the whole film going, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I've seen it several times on Blu-ray since, and it doesn't lose its time. It was the event film of the year that I – it was the blockbuster that I wanted to Absolutely. see this year. So uh, we'll talk about that more in a minute when you when you I want to throw in my, my number one worst film of the year, which I suspect uh, might be I, yours I think as I well, concur David. on this list. Uh, as this which as well. uh, was The Hobbit. No, sorry. No, I'm kidding. Uh, was, <laughs> uh, was The Dictator. Uh, yeah. Far and away, the worst thing I have seen maybe in the last – Last 10, 15 years. I'd say it's easily the worst film of the decade. Yeah, and um, and it was it was so bad because it was it was it was it was offensive. It was actually I'm not very the, rarely the, offended the, by the, film, the the biggest you know? issue for me though, Richard, was that yes, it offended everybody, and yes, it was just uh, we talked about this on the show sure, when it yeah, came yeah, out, yeah. but which was you cannot you cannot sit there and be horrible, racist, sexist. Misogynistic, whatever you want to do, and then go opposite the camera to Kitty. You see, the thing is, in his other films, he did it in that sort of vox pop style because his whole point was that he exposes racism in other people. Exactly. But uh, this time, by going it up was to him and acting him. in a certain way. Because this was entirely fictional, it was just an offensive racist character who said offensive racist who things. Who would wink at the camera every now and again, like, aren't I cute? And he tried to erase the whole thing with this one speech at the end of the film, itself was a tribute to the original uh, Great Dictator, yeah. uh, the, the Brilliant Charlie Chaplin film, uh, but there was no, there was nothing redeeming. But about the this film. biggest crime that the film faced, aside from all of that, the biggest crime that that film faced was the fact that it just wasn't, wasn't funny. Funny, no. and for a comedy, the worst crime it can commit mm. is not being funny. Mm. And yeah. I don't actually. The thing is, I don't think it ever worked out who its audience was either. No. So look, you know that that was terrible. But uh, so so as not to go out um, on a complete. And out of negative, I just want to quickly throw out there before you talk about your number one. Some of my also rands uh, were things like Twenty One Jump Street, which I think was on uh, was overlooked yeah, a I lot of places. Jump Ted, I really enjoyed. Don't look at me, but Katy Perry part of me, just a really good fun music <laughs> documentary. I wasn't a fan before. I, I, I think uh, you know there's good reason to do it now. Um, I've got a soft spot for it, Josh. I'm, I don't know if you do too. The Resident Evil series, Resident Evil Retribution, actually took me by surprise by being not as shit as the previous. I one. haven't seen it because um, of that exact reason, but because you said it wasn't as fun. bad uh, as the last ones, then I might go see it. But uh, I will warn you that uh, that may be something that I may just randomly bring up in the middle of a show. Uh, you know, Dread. it'll be like we're doing this film yeah. this week, and I'll be like, "Fuck that film!" I'm going to talk about <laughs> yeah. um, because that's kind of how I roll. But anyway, moving on. Uh, things like Dread, Wreck-It Ralph, Sky. 
Skyfall as well. Yeah. Technically, in Australia, the Muppets and the Artists came out this year. Enjoyed the hell out of yeah, both they of them. Were my last but we spoke list. about them last year as well. I, and of course, my number one, of course, is the Avengers. Uh, mm. It was my number one at our mid-year list, and it stayed number one all the way to the. It end actually of the year. bumped up for me because this is a different, slightly different configuration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think this so. was just this was as a fanboy. This was everything I wanted to see. This was superheroes. It was dashing duo it was it was it was aliens it was it was nuclear missiles it was <laughs> it was gods it was lightning it was what they, there wasn't a thing in this billionaires film. philanthropists playboys absolutely <laughs> dogs and cats living, living together. together this was a film where i sat down in the cinema next to alexis who came to see it with me um because remember alexis co-hosted the show with us when we did the avengers mm-hmm. and alexis turned to me and it was a something that I hadn't experienced in a while. He was almost bouncing in his seat, and he was like, "We're going to see the Avengers," you know. And it's like, and it's like, yeah. And you know what? More to the point, I think the Avengers has now made me. As a result of the Avengers, I know what my most anticipated films are in 2013, in 2014, and in 2015. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it's, it's 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 what we were talking about this before the show. It's kind of like I want to be excited about cinema again. That film leaves you at a point where you're like, no, I've got some films to look forward to. Yeah. Because if they're as good as that, I'm, I'm back and on board. And that's how I felt at the end of, of Thor and how I felt at the end of Captain America. I was going, this is building to something, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And now I feel like now we're building to the next thing when we found out Guardians of the Galaxy is w- being made. It's like, you sit there going, yes! And it didn't, feel, it didn't feel like an end point. It's what... Um, Kevin Feige, Figgy for Hey, yeah, yeah, for um, hey. always says it's kind of like it was a, a it was a it was a marker point. It was a a tent pole that they've sort of stuck down and said, right, and now this we is, go phase two. This is where we're up to. Let's build on again. Yeah. You know, and now we're going into space, presumably. And now we've got um, Joss Whedon running the whole show, so yeah. it's like, aha, baby. It, so it 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 you know, in terms of big event films, just big, dumb, and even and often intelligent fun. Yes, uh, Joss Whedon has made two entries on most of our lists this year. Yeah. So I think uh, the man uh, is, look the man honestly, is guys, the only reason Avengers isn't on that is because it's been playing at work constantly, and I just literally cannot like this film for at least a year now because <laughs> I like legitimately I got to that point. Out, yeah. Well, yeah, because I actually got to the point with the film where I was looking at it at work, and I'm like, I'm fucking sick of seeing this film. Like I was at that point. It's it's now got to the point where it irritates me, and it's just because I saw it every day for six. Probably four months, mm. like every day, I can constantly, that. all work, day. Work can like, do that to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's not that I have a problem with that, but uh, we also had a particular customer who found it enjoyable to sit down on the floor and watch the entire film almost daily. I'm Just, sorry, I was doing that. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> I told you off about this before, man. I don't want to hear it again. I used to when I worked at I worked at a Sam Goody store in the uh, in Beverly Hills when I was in the states back in '95. We used to have a guy who used to do that every lunch break. He'd walk in and he would literally sit down in front of the screens and just watch whatever we were playing for his hour of lunch while he ate his sandwich. It was very amusing. It was something out of a very clerk's moment. Um, now, before we, um, before we move on and get out of here, we have an email to read. Right. Um, now, you'll understand why I have to so read... So just everyone sit quietly while we read this? Yeah, you have to understand why I have to read this email by the email itself. So basically it says... Film actually 100th episode spectacular. I'm not sure how spectacular it's been. But anyway, film actually 100th episode spectacular. Hi, David, Josh, and Richard. My name is Matt Kay, and I've been a fan of your podcast for a few months now. I'd just like to say congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. It's a great achievement. Hopefully there will be many more to come. P.S. 
Can you please read this on the 100th Film Action <laughs> Podcast? It would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Uh, no. No. So there you go. <laughs> so thank you very much for sending us. He actually did put a little happy face at the end of May There Be Many More to Come. So I think he knows that this is the conclusion of film, actually. Right, yeah. um, and we will break it very briefly just say that the new shows have got titles. They're becoming in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the film show is actually now going to be known as... Hang on, drum roll. Drum roll. It's going to be known as the Geek Movie Club. How awesome is that? How, obvi- how awesome is that? The domain is purchased. The site will actually be open in the next week or so. It will literally be dedicated to just the podcast, so there's not going to be a lot of content there. Mm. But after we've passed the hun- uh, the 20 episode limit of iTunes, that's where you'll be going to get back episodes. Mm-hmm. So nice. keep that in mind. Uh, the Geek Show is coming back in a very different format, but it is coming back, and that's going to be called Buried the Lead. And buriedthelead.com also is now purchased and up. And that will also be opening its doors in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. And once again, will be the home of the podcast for back episodes. Mm-hmm. And excitingly enough, Behind the Panels, which continues on, also has a new home, mm-hmm. which is BehindThePanels.net. Yes. Because, because the somebody stole our com. But yeah. BehindThePanels.net, that's almost open now. That should be open in the next couple of days. All the episodes have been already translated over the there. comic book podcast that keeps itself bagged and boarded there you go <laughs> <laughs> so those are the new shows so just to remind you the geek movie club uh behind sorry buried the lead and <laughs> behind the panels i'm getting those two shows mixed up they're all very geek related <laughs> i'm getting hungry too <laughs> it's the, the, the 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 geek panels club the Geek work. Panels Club. There you go. It didn't work as no, well. No, it wasn't quite the quite the site. We were Bury there. the Geek. Now, just to remind you, geekactually.com still exists. All the episodes will be there, and the Geek Actually Superfeed will still carry every show. So if you are subscribed to that, that will be your one feed that rules them all, basically. Um, the feeds for uh, the Geek Movie Club and Buried the Lead will be activated soon on iTunes, so you'll be able to subscribe. That is that. We're done. We've got barbecue to go to. It is New Year's Day. We want to go eat yes. barbecue. Uh, Josh, where can people find more of you on the internet? RawDLC.com is a gaming website. We will be kicking off very strong this year. We have all sorts of amazing things planned. It's going to be the most exciting year in DLC history. I'm very excited to say that. Um, but uh, at the same time, thanks everybody uh, just quickly for all your support, especially from geek fans that come over and still watch the show and uh, keep up with everything gaming related as well. A lot of uh, positive reinforcement at the end of this year from people, and uh, it's really nice to hear. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Hey, Richard, we can't find you anywhere. Yeah, I'm a bit point. homeless at the moment, so you, you'll, you will be able to find me on uh, <laughs> buriedthelead.com, uh, behind the panels. Behind the panels. Net. Net. <laughs> and, um, you can also hear me about once a month on uh, your ABC local radio on the Overnights program. I'm, I'm usually on there, and... Uh, I might come back to Twitter at DVD Bits, but I, um, I'm sort of taking, as Josh suggested at the start of the show, I think a, a, a break from the social medias is, is a good thing to do on occasion. Uh, but I'll, I'll, you'll, you'll hear me on these three shows, which is where I'm concentrating. Absolutely. Uh, for the time being, uh, unless somebody else wants me. But well, they can't have you. I've got you under contract. Now. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at geekaxi.com as usual or on Twitter at David McVeigh. Guys, it's been a fun ride with Film Actually. It has. It's hey, been look. a fun ride with the Geek Actually show leading into Film Actually and everything else. It's going to be an interesting new year. Hey, look, guys, I, I, I'm about halfway through from compared to the rest of you, but this has been the last 
a fun year and a half or something yeah, that yeah, I've been yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So uh, enjoy the hell out of it. I'm looking forward to at least another year and a half. It's going to be fun starting a film show from episode one again. Yes. It's the second time we've done this. <laughs> we should act like it's my we first no time. what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I think fun. we should. We should just go, oh, we're, we're, yeah. we're trying to make this up as we go. Yeah, act like. <laughs> Fuck you Alright so we All open right. the show With a clip from The Fellowship of the Ring We're closing the show With some music Howard Shores music From The Hobbit And uh, that's it That's a show I think we're out of here And I think for the last time We're going to say Everybody out there Go see more movies You don't see enough movies And all of life's questions Are answered in the movies And we'll see you In the new show Bye, Bye all. See you all